So you have a horse, uh, he's uh, two to one. He's going to pay $6.40, right? You're going to bet $40 into the race, but all of it is contingent on this horse winning. You're going to bet exactly as you're going to bet tries trying to make the score. All right, so you whiff on all of that, and meanwhile, you could have had 40 to win on the horse and got back $128 for your 40. You would have been up $84, right? Or $88. Um, but why would you do that when you could fuck it up? That's what we do. <laughs> And then show the guy your losing ticket with your bad breath. Uh, you know, you just had a salami sandwich and, uh, you know, something that was laced with garlic. And you get right in the guy's face and, whoa, look at that. He left out the two. <laughs> like anybody wants to hear about your sorry losing ways, especially in those circumstances because they're losing too. If you, you know, happen to know the guy's winning, maybe throws you a couple of bucks and says, uh, you know, here, DeForest, get out of my face here with your whining and your fetching. Unbelievable. Not, nothing worse than a guy. Sh I, is there anything worse in a gambling situation than a guy showing you his losing ticket at the track? Oh, yeah, that's the worst. And, they all, and you all do it. Constantly. Bitch. Everybody, right? Oh, well, look at that. I left I out the two. Well, well, you're an asshole. That's why you left out the two. <laughs> you lost. Just admit it. You're a lousy handicapper, a poor money manager, and you really have no business being here in the first place. And guess what? You haven't had a winning year in your life. But here we are. <laughs> Every day. The time. Wake up with Defoe. Joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. On that over the uh, weekend. Uh, <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Uh, good to be with you. Uh, Jeff DeForest, Mike Louie, Louie, appeal yourself off the map Monday. Uh, we were thinking about doing it, uh, Louie and I. How are you, uh, Mike Louie, Louie? It's a spectacular weekend uh, from many different standpoints, although uh, yesterday was a bit of a, a washout here in South Florida from a weather standpoint. Uh, it didn't really impact my life any. It just uh, the voices in my head that are always saying, go to the track, go to the track, go to the track. Anybody else out there hearing voices? I don't know what they say to you, but that's what they say to me. Go to the track. Go to the track. Go to the track. Oh, my God. Because betting football is a dicey proposition. Now, we certainly know that. How many bullets is Nick Saban going to dodge this year? For God's sake, Nick, lose already. Lose. Is that brilliant coaching? That Jimbo Fisher has a chance to win the game? He's got fourth and goal from the half-inch line. And he throws a stupid pass to the corner of the end zone that wasn't even going to get into the end zone, even if the guy caught the ball. What kind of uh, ugliness was that? Did you see the end of the Alabama no, game, Texas A&M? I was enamored by my own nose throwing away a game to, to watch that. I, I heard that it was close. I didn't realize it was that close. Close? That That's twice now. Twice now. <laughs> that pissed me off. The state of Texas <laughs> is shriveling in size. And population as a result of the fact that Nick Saban has stolen two games this year and both came against Texas powerhouse teams. Texas, of course, uh, I don't know about powerhouse, but I mean, yeah, traditionally Supposing. powerhouse teams. Yes. Yeah. Reputation wise, Texas, Texas A&M, you usually figure, OK, good programs. Yes. Probably going to be a winning program. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, they were right there on the doorstep. I mean, they were knocking, bump, 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 knocking on the door. And uh, they end up with a fourth down. I mean, it was uh, going to be the last play of the game uh, regardless. But uh, boom, uh, it just throws a brick of a pass. And that was it. Uh, although uh, the pollsters took that into account now, Luby, which is unusual when it comes to St. Nick, is it not? Dropped them all the way to number three. I I'm not sure if that's going to be of any great significance or hold any uh, you know, uh, weight in, in decision-making at the end of the season. Number three is still good enough to get into the college football playoff. They still are unbeaten. And uh, yet, vulnerable, my friend, vulnerable. Nick Saban, very vulnerable this year. 
Uh, I don't think Bryce Young played at all in the game, did, did he? I, Not I, that I, I know that, uh, Not that I know backup no. uh, started a ball game, so uh, maybe, maybe that uh, adds in a little because sometimes this happens where a backup uh, comes in uh, and relieves. Uh, we've seen it, right, many, many times on both the college and the pro level. Backup quarterback comes into a game that's uh, going south, uh, starter gets injured, whatever, and, and comes in and looks sensational, salvages the day. Everybody's uh, all excited and says, uh, wow, we got to go with this guy, and then gets to start the following week and doesn't look so sharp. So uh, good enough to win the ball game, but unfortunately uh, it, it didn't work out for uh, Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher, wow, he has to be—he he had to be face down in the gutter outside the stadium after that ball game, realizing that he had a chance to beat Nick Saban after Nick had, had just cremated him verbally during the uh, off season. And Jimbo was firing back, but Jimbo looked a little weak firing back against St. Nick, did he not? I mean, well, now. he really didn't look all that convincing. And, and then he had a chance to uh, beat him, uh, knock him from the ranks of uh, undefeated, maybe even knock him out of the college football playoff. And El Zipperoni, my friends. What happens? The coaches just get a brain freeze when they have a chance to beat Alabama or a team like that? Well, it's just in general. I mean, if you watch FSU at all, Mike Norvell, again, instead of just being smart and safe, and, I, and I'm and i not talking about throwing the ball because, again, their kicker has made one out of the last, like, six kicks. So I don't mind when you're around the 20. That's they not can't even... find one guy on campus that can kick a field goal? I know. They have a backup kid. How many students go to the Florida State? Oh, Somebody's got to be 40, able to kick a field goal. Yeah, 100%. They should have a, a, a soccer player. Anyways, so... There's not some kid under a rock in Pensacola that, that uh, Norvell can grab all of a sudden and go, guess what? You're not only qualified to go to school here. We don't care that you're only 13. You're going to be starting for us at the kicker position from now on. I don't know. Look, if they had a better kicker, then I would have called them really stupid, but they don't. So I don't mind them throwing in the spot that they threw. The problem is there's so many safer throws. Like, you can throw it over the back of the end zone where only your guy can get it. You can throw a quick slant. You can throw a screen. To go across your body, across the field, <laughs> throwing a fade route to a 5'10 guy yeah. is the stupidest of all the throws. Let's sail one into the stands, yeah. So that's well, my thing. A guy who's double covered. Well, I wouldn't have minded sailing to the stands. At least you, you leave a, a kick option. Available instead, they throw an interception and on second and eight. Like it just so that's my thing is sometimes these coaches we've talked about it, you know, they shit the bed, they they overthink it. You've said it from the beginning that I met you. I didn't really know that expression very well until I met you, and I live by it now. Don't yeah. get cute, like, don't get cute. It's, it's okay, just win the game, just win the game. It's okay, <laughs> like, that's all you have to yeah, do. Yeah, you start getting creative sometimes, and uh, a lot of this stuff is just basic, fundamental. shit. And uh, if you just followed uh, what it was that you were doing all along, you'd be okay. But all of a sudden, you decide you're going to run a Statue of Liberty off a double reverse. <laughs> and you lose 12 yards, and everybody's going crazy. And the other team's running off the field straight into the locker room. And they're holding their coach up on their shoulders. And, and you end up a loser. Trying to explain that thing in the postgame press conference by saying, well, the kids tried hard. You know, I can't take anything away from their efforts. It's like, yeah, you can, you schmuck. You ruin their chances. You're a dumbass. <laughs> All right, we'll get into college football a little bit because uh, we're going to start in the pros here today. And, uh, of course, a lot of Major League Baseball. Four series, the uh, wild card series uh, over the weekend. Fantastic. Started on Friday, uh, four games. Saturday, four more games. And by the time we got to Sunday, one game. Mm-hmm. And it involved the New York Mets in a winner-take-all uh, proposition, best of three. All three games at City Field. Uh, they did play DeGrom. They, they started DeGrom in game number two after losing game one behind Scherzer on Friday. Got shellacked by the Padres. Came back. Won the second game. Looked impressive. They had Bassett out there uh, for their starter. In game number three, he was going against uh, Joe. Uh, is, is it Musgrave? Yeah, yes. Musgrave. Yes. 
Joe Musgrave. Joe Musgrove. Someone said Musgrove. Is it Grove or Grave? I think it's, Mus- I think it's actually Musgrove. The guy with the uh, Vaseline on his ears. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like he had Stitch Duran working on his face. Musgrove. Uh, this guy. Musgrove is, is Musgrove. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. Uh, just Mus- uh, Joe Musgrove, yes. even though I said Musgrave to begin with. Yes. Uh, and and uh, he, he throws a gem. Seven innings. Uh, the Mets had one hit overall in the ballgame. Uh, they got the one hit uh, off uh, of uh, Musgrave. But, uh, I, I mean, a big incident was Buck Showalter uh, having the umpire go out to the mound and actually check the guy. They checked his uh, ears. I mean, uh, they checked his anal cavity. <laughs> they deliced him. <laughs> and they were spraying like, a, you know, a can. Like uh, they had like an exterminator out there and uh, delicing this guy. Make sure he hasn't got any foreign substances on him. Now, what oh, would they have done with Gaylord Perry? That, that, oh, uh, can you imagine? <laughs> I had fun with him. <laughs> this guy would come, uh, you know, off the mound, and he looked like Arturo Gotti coming out of the corner there with, like, you know, <laughs> grease slopped all over his face. He's got inswell there. <laughs> Perry was great, man, because, uh, you know, there, there was no doubt that he was cheating. And uh, for years, uh, I mean, they weren't able to catch this guy doing anything. Right? We had all kinds of different stuff. Who was it? Was it Mike Scott? No, he didn't have the sandpaper in his pocket. It was the guy that had the sandpaper. And uh, he had like a rasp file in his pocket as uh, he was on the mound. Uh, but I, I don't know. Have they really caught anybody cheating since they started checking this stuff? Where, where the guy comes off the mound and they check his palms and they check the glove. But uh, did you see this last night where Showalter uh, called the umpires out and said that uh, this guy's got something on the ball. Nobody can hit him. And they actually went out there and started, like, poking around in his ears. It's terrific. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Melvin, who, uh, you know, manages you the Padres, was like, uh, this guy is the ultimate in, t- in integrity. Nobody should ever question uh, what uh, Joe Musgrave is doing, Amazing. or anybody on our team for that matter, okay. uh, including uh, Fernando Tatis, who's not even with the team, because uh, he was one of the few fools who gets caught doing steroids in Major League Baseball today. Exactly. Everybody else has the cleansing system. Exactly. Everybody else is uh, channeling their inner Victor Conti and uh, getting away with it. And uh, he, he gets caught, suspended for uh, 80 games. But nonetheless, uh, well, well, we knew the Padres were a legitimate threat uh, to beat the Mets, even though they were playing all three at City Field. Uh, we did predict uh, at one time uh, somewhat facetiously that all the chalk looked good, which uh, three out of the four favorites went down in the uh, postseason so far because, uh, wow, Philadelphia came into uh, St. Louis and won two straight. Bryce Harper, who for years we speculated was, uh, well, we were trying to, you know, consider the question, who's more overrated or what is more overrated, Bryce Harper or the Stone Crab? <laughs> the money Bryce is making and the price of Stone Crabs makes that a very, I mean, <laughs> tough question. Uh, you know, you're splitting hairs there, are you not? Yep. Although uh, Harper has uh, kind of uh, defeated the notion that, that he's a waste of time for the money because... Um, by modern-day baseball standards, uh, he is a $30 million a year player, no? I mean, if you're hitting 286 with 30 homers, $30 million, Here you go. So what do they have to give Aaron Judge after this year? How much is San Francisco going to pay to lure Aaron Judge away from the New York Yankees? $50 million. And how deflating will that be? I mean, that'll be it. You'll, you'll see uh, Brian Cashman will, will be, uh, you know, tearing up pictures of Lisa Meanwell in his office. That <laughs> <laughs> flaming... I don't want to say rhymes with fun. That's not. She ruined me. She ruined me. I should have never hit on her at that soccer game. Okay. (laughs) No, you let Aaron Judge walk because you offered him a weak contract before the season, and now you're going to have to pay him triple that. What difference does it make? Anyway, so uh, the baseball playoffs, I mean, a lot of compelling action. Could you ask for much more? Huh? That, uh, what, 
You, you had a game go 15 innings. Uh, what, what oh, was that? Oh, yeah, Four? that Rays game. Rays game, yeah. Where, the uh, Guardians, that was nuts. That was Cleveland and, uh, and the Rays, yeah. Where, where uh, Cleveland, uh, the Guardians get a home run in the 15th. You know what's interesting? Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, wow, well, they went back to real baseball. I think, you know, as much as I was appalled by, by the change to put a guy on second base in extra innings in a regular season, and it's okay now you got the championship on the line, okay, so you play it out by legitimate old-school rules. But think about this. I mean, if you had a lot of those games during the regular season that went 12, 13, 14, 15 innings as a matter of routine, you're really wearing these guys out. So for a rare change in my old school, you know, a baseball purist, George Will type of thinking, I am now very much in favor of the idea that they put the guy on second base to start the 10th inning. That's funny. No, because, I mean, it's like the tiebreaker in tennis. You know, they used to play the whole thing out, and you had that ridiculous matchup uh, between Isner and uh, Nicholas Mahout oh, was like at Wimbledon that went like 68 games or whatever that was. <laughs> It's like, I mean, they shoot horses, don't they? I mean, it's like you're watching a dance marathon from the old uh, days uh, on some, you know, 1930s film. And uh, you're thinking, you have to find a way to finalize this thing and end it. And when they brought the tiebreaker in in tennis, that that solved that problem. And that's why I'm in favor of uniformity there, though. I I don't believe that you should go back to any other system. In other words, if you're going to play the tiebreaker for the uh, first four sets at seven points, Why change it to 10 for the final set? Why, why would the final set be any different than any other set, right? I mean, if you win the first set, is that not the same as winning the final set? So the rules should be the same. The parameters uh, and, uh, you know, the guidelines should be the same. Um, I, I'm okay with them changing it in the postseason of Major League Baseball, but I am now all in, totally in favor. As much of a douchebag as it makes you look like when, when you agree with this. Just you don't want those games going on forever. No, you have no. to find a way to end them more quickly. They were already long enough. I mean, the drudgery. So uh, it, it was interesting though, all the way around. Oh, we'll get into that too, uh, the baseball. But uh, we, we need to get to uh, our own beloved Miami Dolphins here in town. And, of course, the entire slate of NFL games, which uh, the NFL is producing uh, amazing results. All right. Uh, what do you want first? The excuses? <laughs> That's where I go first. <laughs> Maybe some legitimacy to these. Uh, you know, I mean, you would have to say, look, and, and and what looked like a sure thing, didn't it? The eight and a hook over just a couple of weeks ago, all of a sudden, looks like it's uh, coming under very strict consideration that uh, perhaps you should have held back that second thousand dollars that you bet on the proposition based on our recommendation in the first place, that the Dolphins were a much better team. Now, now they're not a bad team, uh, the Miami Dolphins. What happened to their defense, though? They, they were missing, what, Howard didn't play in a ball game, and uh, Jones was out, now has been out the entire season. Yep. That's compromised them. They're counting yep. on an, uh, like an undrafted free agent to be Number their one. slot uh, <laughs> cover man. Yeah. <laughs> and he's covering these monsters uh, that, that are going on in these pass patterns. Um, okay, so you know, had Teddy Bridgewater get knocked down, and, and how ironic is it, Mike Luby Lubitz, that they changed the protocols because everybody thought and suspected that the Miami Dolphins had fudged their way out of the concussion protocols with Tua to bring him back into that ball game when he originally got hurt against the Buffalo Bills, comes back, plays the second half, starts uh, the following week. Same thing happens to him again. Some guy picks him up, body slams him like he was Bruno San Martino (laughs) taking Gorilla Monsoon on at Madison Square Garden. The airplane spin, and then boom. No penalty, no flag whatsoever, which is where, you know, it's kind of interesting. Now people are screaming, 
Who was refereeing that uh, Tampa Bay Bucks Atlanta game yesterday? Giselle? I mean, no. Uh, <laughs> how did they throw was, a flag on that? Why is it always Tom Brady that's getting the benefit of the doubt in virtually every ruling that comes down? Uh, whether I mean, they even change rules to accommodate Tom Brady. It's nuts. But uh, everybody was screaming about that because Atlanta was making a comeback at the time, and they gave Brady the cheap uh, roughing the passer call. And uh, all of a sudden, a, a game that uh, looked like a runaway for Tampa Bay early, what uh, was, uh, you know, uh, they clinched the victory for him, but uh, Atlanta had every right to be screaming on that one, no? I mean, it wasn't a penalty. Like, for yeah. all those, and Brett Tesler was one of them that said the Tua hit was a, a regular hit. It was not. The dude literally, for no reason, could have just put him down. He picks him up, rolls him over, and, and body slams him. The Brady was not, it wasn't even vicious. It was just the guy actually lets him down easy because he's Tom Brady, and he yeah. hadn't thrown it yet. So there was nothing illegal about that hit. I don't. It was just another Brady rule that they enacted. There you go. Let's toss uh, a flag out there and give Tommy another easy win because, uh, you know what? He's going through a tough time, this yeah, kid. Yeah, I'm sure. Every day. It's not even on the sports section anymore. It's, uh, you know, it, it's in the, you know, the entertainment pages. It's on page six uh, in the New York Post. It's everywhere. Giselle and Tommy have lawyered up. <laughs> If you have that much money and, and a little bit of respect for each other, can't you just peace? divide this money peacefully? Yeah, exactly. Like, no one's going away broke. Tommy's sitting on a uh, contract for $350 million. Giselle doesn't need a dime of his cash. She probably has more money than Brady. She does. She's supposed to be worth almost a billion. Yeah. So what, what's the beef? I mean, kids? Just, just Okay, you know what? Uh, you get the kids every other week. Uh, you come see them whenever you want. You want to pick them up? Uh, I'm all for it. I'll never discourage uh, the kids from uh, having a favorable viewpoint of your Tommy boy. You're a hero in their eyes. And, uh, you know, let's just walk away. Here you go. You take this. I'll take that. I, do you really need, like, expensive lawyers to uh, determine? Well, you know, we have the winery. That was uh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt, right? They're still fighting, right? They're 10 years. In... How much is that costing them? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I went through a fairly simple divorce, uh, you know, the second time. I did hire a lawyer, and, and it turned out to be, I, I don't know that it was a giant mistake, but, uh, you know, th th this kind of, you know how people on uh, Mike Mayo's uh, page there on uh, Facebook, Let's Eat South Florida, 90,000 strong, and, of course, we have the Mayo Lunchbox here on South Florida Live. And, uh, you know, people are always fetching uh, about, like, uh, some minor charge that was uh, incurred on the check. And, and, and maybe they have a legitimate beef, right? I mean, nobody likes to be charged more than you think you're, you're supposed to be. You see nineteen ninety five on the menu, you're expecting to pay nineteen ninety five. Yes. Not twenty four ninety five. And, and the uh, server comes over and says, no, well, we meant to print new menus. <laughs> Call my man Marty to party sacks. He'll deliver them to you that day if you're changing your prices. <laughs> and if you're raising your prices, incorporate the cost of printing up some new menus with the actual price on there. Mm -hmm. Or, or do what uh, any self-respecting restaurant, uh, you know, that, that I would have a hand in would do and just, just write right over it like it was your old report card. <laughs> My dad used to always wonder. He said, you know, uh, those eights really look like they were sixes originally. <laughs> oh, no, Dad. Uh, I would never fudge a number like that. <laughs> 65 was passing, thank God. So at least it was in the same color as the eight would have been. But, uh, yeah, no, it was very awkward to uh, try and connect that. In, in certain situations, it just depends like how they this. made the like six. The you know, put the loop ever. there, and it looks like uh, you know, was some kind of upside-down snowman. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, just, just right over it. Oh, my God. 
But yeah, yeah, I mean, people, uh, you know, they they, they don't like uh, being cheesed. And, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate when, when a circumstance like that occurs and uh, you get everybody pissed off. No, nobody comes out uh, a winner in that spot. Uh, the uh, Dolphins, though, yesterday, wow, I mean, that was ugly, huh? What happened to their defense? Uh, can we excuse it away? Uh, Xavier Howard is a superstar or, you know, is up there among the elite corners in the league. And, and uh, Jones, uh, you know, I, a lot of people thought he wasn't all that great, wasn't worth the money, but, but it turned out to be a very useful component of whatever success the Dolphins had on defense. Uh, the big question was, did they have linebackers? And uh, I don't know. Do they? Do they? <laughs> <laughs> and where's Phillips? Where's Agba? Like the two guys that are supposed to be their sack specialists yeah. are not doing it. And look, I mean, the, the game got out of hand be, because of turnovers and giving yeah. the Jets short fields. So I don't blame the defense as much as people are. To me, the offense is the issue. And they are starting to struggle. And Mike McDaniels. But you had a third-string quarterback in there that everybody fell in love with. And, and when I'm, the, I'm at the track yesterday, and Big Al is telling me the entire time, hey, it's the best quarterback that they have on the roster, Skyler Thomas. Ah. Oh, you can't still have an issue with Tua. Like, Tua's looked really good. <laughs> like, to, he you, hates Tua. He thinks Tua is a fragile uh, piece of, uh, really? you know, Okay. Uh, of uh, you know, uh, just just very uh, you know fragile I China. Mean, these aren't ankle injuries, <laughs> like, and he wants to play. Like these are injuries that are serious, and he wants to play. They're keeping, they're making yeah. Fakak to rules to keep him out of the uh, freaking game. Well, this new rule is really crazy. I love it. I, I, I heard uh, one of the commentators yesterday. I was watching a bunch of shows uh, talking about the game, uh, and, and actually, it's so funny to hear. Because uh, we, we did how many of these? Uh, I mean, in my lifetime, I, I used to do Dolphin post game shows all the time. I'd be on the air for like four hours after the game on the radio. And, and that was when uh, the team really mattered. They had Marino. They were usually in the mix to do something, uh, you know, uh, of a very favorable nature. Uh, Shula was the boss man. We had uh, very talented players. Uh, they were, uh, you know, immersed in the community. So everybody had an affinity for these guys. I mean, they were rooting for Zach. You were rooting for Jason Taylor. Uh, people cared about the team. So uh, it wasn't hard to fill like four hours of calls, win, lose, or draw, uh, of uh, you know radio time those days. Uh, but but I'm listening last night. I happened to turn on. I was driving back uh, from uh, one of my uh, paramutual facilities nearby, and uh, I'm listening. And it's just the whining is insane. Now our man OJ McDuffie, he was angry. He, he was on the show. I I couldn't identify any other person who who was kind of hosting the show, and they never said their name. Is that a bad thing? Never. See, I've it, doing this. I've stopped yeah. because Shirley's like, "Look, when you're doing a podcast, you don't have to do that thing where you say your name and you say the guest." Yeah, yeah radio mechanics probably don't apply because 100%. it was. It says who it is. Like in front of you, there's a, a, a title, especially once once it's up on YouTube. If they're watching, and you can see the person. You can see them. It says their name there, and yeah. I always have you know the stuff on the bottom line. So we don't really need to do it on the radio. I hate yeah. when they don't do it. Like, I want to know who the hell you are. It who are you? Yeah, credibility. who's talking? Who, who's making these bold proclamations? I hate that. That, that, that we're heading for, uh, you know, I mean, I guess it was Joe Biden was hosting the show. We're heading for Armageddon here is what he was saying. But while we're on that topic, just uh, to touch on that for a second. I mean, I, I, this Putin is out of his mind now. We know that. But uh, now he, he's upset that they blew up this bridge. <laughs> It's like this guy's been bombing this country for seven months for no reason. Absolutely no reason, no justification, no validation to it. Uh, the Ukrainians were zero threat, 0, 0.0 threat to uh, invade Russia. So uh, what are they fighting about over there? They're fighting about the fact that uh, Putin has a hair up his ass that uh, this land is your land. No longer it's my land. No. I mean, uh, it's some variation on a theme. 
<laughs> but then the guy, I mean, he's appalled. They blew up this. Oh, my God. Can you believe these guys? They're terrorists. Nah, nah. That's incredible, man. He's I losing. Mean, you, talk about, you talk about nerve. Our, our country uh, seemed to be heading in that direction. I think we're heading back there, Louie. I'm a little nervous. This Herschel Walker stuff has enhanced his chances uh, of winning that the Senate seat true. in Georgia. He's a loon. He's, he, he's openly saying I'm stupid. <laughs> like a lunatic, this guy. I mean, he, he may have been, you know, they, they should examine him for concussion protocol. I mean, it seems like somebody, you know, must have gotten into the, uh, you know, gray matter in his skull and, and really messed it up. If, if if it was solid to begin with, I, I don't even know. I mean, I, I didn't know Herschel Walker. He seemed like a fairly, you know, a humble, you know, sort of shy but articulate guy back in the day. Did he not? You know, it was like, oh, shucks. Type of thing. Uh, well, you gained 300 yards today, Herschel Walker, and you uh, ran over six defenders who are now in the hospital. Uh, how did you feel about that? Uh, well, you know what? I was just doing my job. He would give you that kind of thing. <laughs> what happened to that guy, man? CTE. I mean, he played a long Ooh. time, and then he went into boxing and MMA. <laughs> like, MMA, yeah. I mean. I don't know that that served him well. No, no, no. Uh, but this new cockamamie rule, I, I don't know. What are they going to do if it's like Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? And uh, he goes down and, you know, gets up, takes a bad step, whatever. And, and whoosh, they're going to take him out of the game in, in front of 800 billion people, Roger Goodell, all with billions of dollars riding on the game. There's going to be a fist fight somewhere between, like, FanDuel, DraftKings, and executives yeah, from the exactly. National Football League. No? Or, or, or what they're going to do, because we know what they're going to do, they're not going to take them out of the game. And then they'll explain it away and it'll be okay. Because Bridgewater was fine. There was nothing wrong with Bridgewater. Bridgewater wasn't even hurt. He just yeah. got... I didn't even think he got his bell rung. It didn't even that didn't look like a bad hit, but he like misstepped because first he, play of the game, right? It was the first, the first play of the game possession because remember the Jets got the ball first. So oh, okay, it was right. the offense first. And also, it wasn't a safety. Like that's the other thing. When you're getting hit and you're throwing it, doesn't it not matter where you throw? Like once you're throwing it and getting hit, the ball is not going to go where you meant to throw it, right? So how yeah. can it be an intentional grounding? Like first of all, he had a, a tight end and a running back there, and. Yeah, that was, was kind of a hit. weird call. He was getting hit. Uh, like, no doubt, yeah. He, the ball. He was getting planted into the yeah. ground as he was releasing he the ball. It. It's not going to reach the line of scrimmage. Why would it hit? And it? it's not necessarily grounding if there's anywhere. I mean, you don't even have to be, you know, in, in close vicinity to the area where you might be able to catch the ball. Well, they were saying the guy was blocking, calls. but who gives a shit? Yeah. It doesn't matter. He was, And, and it, that doesn't even matter. Like, I've never seen them. When a guy's getting hit, he throws it. As long as he's throwing it so it's not a fumble, it doesn't matter where it goes because yeah. he's getting hit. So, like, that whole thing was freaking weird. Then they take him out, and it's like, oh, they're not putting him back in. Like, even if there's nothing wrong, they found wasn't close to a concussion, was nothing like a concussion, but the stupid spotter guy up top was like, oh, he stepped weird. Like, what does that mean? Like, that's so subjective. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> Steps on a rock there the yeah, like, what, is, what do you want to say? You know, he's out of the game from the first play. Uh, that was very strange, very ironic, that it happened to Miami Dolphins, Dolphins, who uh, triggered this whole controversy and uh, – created, uh, you know, the uh, compelling need to uh, all of a sudden alter the rules and the way that players are observed. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think there's anybody that watches football or plays a game or, you know, has been involved in a sport that, that isn't in favor of uh, trying to do things that, that will, will promote player safety. I, I think that's universally true. Well, would you agree, Luby? Is there anybody out there that says, yeah, I want to see more concussions. I want to see more guys debilitated <laughs> later on in life. I want to see guys checking out in their 30s, killing themselves. Um, yeah, I, I really want more of this. I, I want this to be the Vince McMahon <laughs> version of the NFL. I want steroids. I want everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
it's weird that uh, that this uh, rule took place, uh, you know, or was put in place. And the first uh, team to be impacted by it was the Dolphins, and it happened in kind of weird. And, and what are these guys eligible to come back now? Like, what do they have to do? I don't know. He's in concussion protocol now, even though he's passed every test. This was my question for those that were getting from the highest mountaintop, screaming about safety. It's like, okay, that's fine. But remember, there's doctors for a reason. Oh, and by the way, the Dolphins passed every investigation. They failed. Yeah. They, they did all the protocols, as we all said. And it's just they got to be stricter. Okay. Just remember, once you go down this rabbit hole. I mean, uh, the, the problem is it's, uh, you know, not easily detectable. That, that, that's the problem. Well, and when can they play again? What, what, yeah. You're already ignoring doctors because doctors are saying they're fine, which is fine. Right. So what's the mark that means they can go in? Like when? Yeah. Well, I mean, but by the standard of, uh, you know, if you're just looking at uh, humanity, uh, nobody should be playing football. At this level, you know, I mean, it should be flag football. No, I mean, even that would be like risky. So, um, you know, I mean, it's impossible to legislate uh, all of this out of the game, just like it is in boxing. Uh, Boxing made one rule change that I do think made a little bit of a difference. So when they cut fights from 15 to 12 rounds, championship fights, because I have to say just just from my overall you know, view of the sport uh, for the many years. I've been a boxing fan for as long as I was uh, cognizant of my memory, like going back to being five, six years old. I was a boxing fan. I always loved it, fascinated by it. Loved the characters, the stories, the whole seedy, uh, you know, uh, underworld uh, uh, that, that's involved in this thing uh, and, and all of the different stuff that goes on. Uh, I love all of it. The circus, fantastic. But by its very nature, nobody should ever box, no. right? The, the, sport, the, the sport is to beat the shit out of someone else. That's the entire right. sport. <laughs> right. I mean, you could put all the padding in the gloves, or you could go Panama Lewis. It doesn't matter. I mean, the object of the game is to knock the other person yes. unconscious. That cannot be good long-term for any human being to endure. But, you know, you're, you're kind of sanctioning this stuff. And, and if you are, unfortunately... Uh, you can't legislate all of the uh, injuries that could uh, happen out of the game. You just can't. It's impossible. So this stuff's going to happen. But, uh, you know, it, it's uh, the vagueness of, of the diagnosis. I mean, how do you know? People, I guess, you know, I mean, if they're experiencing headaches and things like that, obviously, you know, they're, they're still suffering, uh, you know, the uh, symptoms of a concussion. But uh, how do you know? I mean, if a guy is just like, fine. Uh, you know, that's who appeared to be uh, with uh, the Miami Dolphins in both uh, situations. And, uh, no, that's not going to be an easy thing. Very debatable. But imagine if that happened. They took Mahomes out of a ball game. In, yeah, exactly. In, like, the uh, AFC title game in the first quarter. And, and all of a sudden, uh, you're saying, what? When did they sign Bubby Brister? <laughs> and people have money on those games? All right, we're going to get to uh, Brett Tussie, the agent of the stars. We'll get his view on a, a bunch of different things that happened in the NFL yesterday. A lot of interesting results. Uh, the London games, I have to say, usually bricks. Both games were pretty interesting. Yeah. And the one last week was okay, and this one was even better because the Giants pulled off the upset, and I uh, love seeing uh, Aaron Rodgers go down. Oh, my God. In defeat now. Oof, the Packers. That's rough. Packers. And they uh, didn't they just extend this guy, the GM uh, and uh, LaFleur's contract, Probably. into perpetuity? Off of, like, two really good seasons that they had. But uh, whatever they did, they bungled it this year. That, that's for sure. All right, uh, coming back with more. Uh, Hylia Park, always a great place uh, when it comes to entertainment. 
just absolutely fantastic. And, and you're going to love the accommodations there because uh, whether you're sitting in the champion simulcasting room, uh, you know, wearing a disguise, playing poker in the poker room in a game of one, two, Texas Hold'em, or, or you're downstairs plunging away on your favorite Vegas style games. Every room is just perfectly designed for, for your comfort and for your ability to have a good time. And uh, well, we love that about Hylian Park. It was always that way. A fabled racetrack. I was watching races from Keeneland. I couldn't help, uh, you know, but have memories pop up of all of the wonderful times I had out there at Hylian Park. And, and the good times continue to roll nine years into the uh, casino uh, being opened up. And uh, they just did a brilliant job to begin with. And they've sustained that throughout. Fantastic staff there. People really treat you like a champ. Get a player's card. They have a great rewards program. So many things to love about the way they operate. Hialeah Park. It's a great entertainment destination, as we said. And, uh, you know, you can check the calendar of events. They often have special events, live DJs and music and things like that. So you can dance the night away until 5 a.m. on the weekends, 3 a.m. on the weekdays at beautiful Hialeah Park. It's like the ultimate casino destination here, certainly in South Florida. All right, we're coming back with more. Brett Tester, the agent of the stars, joins us. And uh, he had a very successful day yesterday. Uh, one dolphin who definitely shined was Raheem Mostert, yes. who uh, has one of the great journeyman stories of all time in sports. I mean, you really have to love uh, where this guy uh, came from and uh, the fortitude it took to pers- persevere and now be, uh, you know, and, and then overcoming that knee injury and coming back and playing like he did yesterday. Razor sharp. That was great. So Brett's going to join us in just a second here as we return in a moment. Now that. The time. 7.36. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play, when you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Hey, folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapists, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this, if you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place. And that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for landlubbers, raw bar and grill in the plantation, because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have their amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. The simple pleasures of this job, the way a stadium sounds when one of my players performs well on the field. 
the way we are meant to protect them in health and in injury. Less, more attention, caring for them, caring for ourselves in the games, too. The agent to the stars, the one and only Brett Tesler. Welcome back to the show. A peel yourself off the map Monday here on the Depot Show, South Florida Live. Jeff DeForest, Michael Luby, Lubitz with you. And we uh, always enjoy welcoming this gentleman to the program. And you would have to say, I guess, it's sort of an extrapolation of the myth of the Sisyphus. Where, I mean, I find these to be the most fascinating sports stories. Where a guy tries for a championship a dozen times or whatever and never quite uh, gets there. And then all of a sudden has like a Rudy moment. And, you know, everybody stands up and starts cheering. Jimmy Stewart is kissing June Allison. It's just great. <laughs> and and Raheem Mostert of the Miami Dolphins is one of those stories. And, of course, it parallels, uh, you know, in some ways, the meteoric rise to success of our next guest on the program, who joins us every week, talk a little football, the agent of the stars, Brett Tester, joins us here on the program. Uh, Brett, how are you, my friend? Hey, doing really good, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking. How, how good did you feel yesterday? I, I felt good for you. I got a vicarious yeah, thrill. Was great yesterday. And I mean, I, you've had a ton of success. Uh, obviously, you know, if nothing ever happened uh, for the remainder of your career, you, you'd live a very good life and uh, look back on twenty years as an NFL agent and think, uh, wow, it, it was really great. A heck of a lot of fun to be involved on that level and, and have the success that I had. But uh, I, I know this story, and a lot of your players uh, have these uh, kind of threads with you, Brett Tesser. Uh, but this one in particular seems to be very special for you. So after overcoming being cut, what, six, seven times, not sure the exact number, but, uh, you know, I mean, told many times, hey, you're not good enough to play in a league. Uh, coming back and then uh, being the MVP uh, of the NFC championship game just a couple of years ago, uh, loaded with promise uh, for the following season, uh, injured, and, and now a, a tough one to overcome, end up drifting around to uh, the Miami Dolphins, although uh, there may have been some teams that, that obviously had their eyes on your client. But but to see him come back and play a razor-sharp ball game like he did yesterday uh, after everything that's happened to this kid, uh, I mean, uh, that, that was just great. Did you teach him that celebration, by the way, where, uh, you know, he was like doing a worm there on the ground? That, that was that was a really good one. That's actually his surfing uh, celebration, and that's something he got pretty well known for in San Francisco. Because oh, that's growing right. Up near Day- yeah, growing up near Daytona, a lot of people don't realize this. He was actually a top surfer, and uh, I think he was sponsored. I think he had a chance to try to pursue it professionally. But, um, you know, obviously football is the uh, direction his life ended up going. Uh, And, yes, obviously yesterday, um, just one of the great moments as an agent because in this business, Steve, there's some real, you know, high highs and there's some real low lows. And certainly when you see a player and a person like Raheem work as hard as he's worked throughout his entire career, you know, just to get to the point where he even had the opportunity in San Francisco to establish himself as one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. And then he had a little bit of bad luck with injuries. And uh, the particular injury he had last year was just sort of a fluke injury, but something that could definitely be career jeopardizing if not properly dealt with. And so instead of putting a Band-Aid on it, we decided to get it properly repaired. And it's a very long and arduous rehab 
it just takes time. It takes a lot of time. It's like a nine month rehab where you can't even really walk for over half that time. And wow. so, you know, for him to, for, yeah. So for him to get to the point where, you know, he, he was patient, he was diligent, he was smart. And, you know, the dolphins, uh, obviously made a very good decision in, uh, in, 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 in getting him in here and doing what they had to do because he and Mike McDaniel obviously have a tremendous history together dating back to San Francisco and so I'm not surprised to see him do what he did yesterday. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, the ability is still there. And now the health is there. So in my mind, it was just a matter of time. I think some other teams maybe made a mistake um, not trusting the medicine and everything to the point where, again, this is the kind of injury, though, that once it heals, unlike, say, a guy coming back from an Achilles, you know, you wonder, well, is that guy going to be 85% of what he was? Is he going to be 95? Is he going to be 97%? With this type of thing, it's not like that. It's past fail. So he was going to come back at 100% once it had the time to heal. And again, you know, even though in this league, sometimes fans have short-term memories and him setting every NFL record in that uh, playoff game against the uh, Packers a couple years ago where he was the championship game MVP and essentially carried the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Um, he's still that same guy. The skill is still there. And so, you know, even though he may be 30 years old, which in the case of some running backs, you know, by the time they're 30, they've had, you know, 900,000 carries in their career. In the case of this guy, just a fraction of that. So, I think he's got a lot of gas left in the tank. I think he's going to continue doing great things down here. And, um, you know, it was, it was great to see him, uh, to see him back, uh, back in full force doing what he could do. And, uh, frankly, I feel like he was capable of doing even more in that game. And, uh, you know, the coaches decided to try some different things and, you know, um, obviously the game ended up as a loss, but Raheem certainly did his part. And uh, moving forward, I think we can all look forward to seeing more of the same. Look, and now I, 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 I don't know if I want to, but at some point, I guess we got to get to the disaster that was the game, uh, especially the last 10 minutes of the game, because there really wasn't a disaster until then for as shorthanded as the Dolphins were. Uh, what's interesting is a lot of the stuff you're saying to me, I, I, I find it intriguing because in this day and age with what medicine is when it comes to sports, we just assume guys will come back and come back themselves. You and Raheem, I guess, believe that. But so you're saying a lot of people around the league didn't. Like, is that a thing still where certain injuries? I get Achilles, but even outside of Achilles, where like until they see the guy, they don't trust it. Because I was under the impression that outside of a concussion, which we don't know a timetable, every injury has a timetable and the guy will be good as new. Is that actually not the case? That's a great question, Luby, and the answer to it is the procedure that he had done. So he chipped a little piece of cartilage off the tip of his knee, so not meniscus. With meniscus, you can remove it, and, you know, as long as you have some, it still gives the knee some shock absorption. Yeah. Uh, meniscus is like the spongy substance between the bones, which is sort of a shock absorber. And then you hear about certain players that wind up having meniscus removed and then later in their career they have very little to no meniscus. And some guys can still play bone-on-bone bone because the cartilage, which is the surface of the bone, still does provide shock absorption and it allows that joint to move smoothly. Once cartilage starts get, getting damaged, that's when guys can really start getting an arthritic condition. It can start accelerating the end of someone's career. 
And so it's a relatively newer procedure that uh, Dr. Cooper in Dallas, who's the Cowboys doctor, uh, has been doing this for about eight years on NFL players. And there hasn't been one example of it not working. Ah, But that being said, this is still a newer technique relatively. When you look at like, you know, arthroscopic surgery on an email, I mean, that's been done for several decades. It's something that, you know, maybe 50 years ago, torn ACL is a career ender. I mean, if Gail Sayers had his injury today, chances are he'd be back out there at 100% next year. So, you know, with newer things like this, there are a good handful of players in the league. I don't want to mention any names. Uh, There's a player that fans down here might be extremely familiar with who've had the exact same procedure and have come back at absolute top level now for many, many years. So, you know, some of the top players in the league have had this, but it's still one of those things that not every team doctor themselves do or know how to do. So according to Dr. Cooper, um, who, you know, is widely regarded as certainly one of the very, very best knee guys on the planet. Um, you know, this is in, in, in all of his years practicing medicine, there's been two clear cut breakthroughs, like miracle breakthrough procedures. And this is one of them. Oh, so nice. we're fortunate that, uh, you know, this happened in this generation where something could be properly done to it to, to get him back to 100% like he is. Um, and we're thankful for uh, for Dr. Cooper's great work. Yeah, I, I could see, you know, where, where teams uh, would be uh, skeptical of anybody uh, coming back from a, any kind of a serious injury that involved a long, uh, you know, rehab. But uh, uh, that was great. You could kind of see that emerging. Uh, but a uh, great ball game by Raheem yeah, Mostert for the Dolphins. And, uh, and otherwise, uh, you know, I mean, as Luby said, they were in a ball game with about 10 minutes to go. Uh, I guess uh, what uh, when they attempted that field goal, they were going to take the lead yes, in the ball under game. ten minutes. Yes, and, and instead uh, <laughs> left the ball on the forty-five yard line, got scored on, and then uh, you know helter skelter broke loose and everything fell apart. But um, uh, what do you think? I mean, there was such euphoria here uh, three weeks ago, and we were getting set Brett Tester to resurrect the old Dolphins crying tub <laughs> with our uh, good friend Godfrey Lovejoy to come in and, and just absolutely uh, you know put a torch. And any spirits uh, that the Miami Dolphin fans uh, might have retained, but I mean, where do you? I mean, the whole league is kind of three and two, two and three. So, and that's not uncommon. Five weeks in, a couple of teams, uh, Philadelphia, the lone unbeaten team uh, with, with five wins. Uh, a couple of other teams uh, look like they've distinguished themselves. So uh, that are among those at, at four and one. Uh, but uh, where, where are the Dolphins at right now? I mean, are, are they anywhere near where you expected them? Should we not judge that game? just throwing out as a stinker because they ended up having to start their third string rookie quarterback or essentially play them the whole game. Um, what do you make of where, where they're at right now? I'd say they're probably not as good as some people thought they were when they beat the bills and when they beat the Ravens Two, you know, great, tremendous early season wins against, you know, in my opinion, two of the better teams in the NFL. It's not in regards to the bills, the best team. Um, you know, those are huge wins and it was, it was very exciting for fans down here, but you know, as the saying goes, water always speaks its level. And, uh, so the truth of the matter is I, I, I still feel like the Dolphins team should be able to beat the Jets team. When you look at the roster now, the Jets aren't the Jets of four or five years ago. They're definitely improved. Uh, Zach Wilson showed last week that he could come through in a big moment and win a game for them. Um, and so, you know, uh, 
nobody in this league, and as you mentioned, I mean, it's more competitive than ever in terms of if you look at the records, it's not like the old days where maybe at this time of the year there'd be seven, eight teams that are just clearly superior, seven, eight teams that are already completely out of it, and then maybe the other half the teams in the middle. It seems like now 90% of the teams are all, you know, close to 500, a game above or below. And then you've got, you know, a few teams that, look to be really truly dominant and superior and then you've got a few teams that really look to just be truly awful so um you know dolphins are somewhere in that middle area there and there's a lot of season left things can go either way um it doesn't help when you're playing without certain top players that uh, they didn't have yesterday but again there can't be any excuses um you know i think skylar thompson's actually going to be a really good quarterback in this league uh, what he did in the preseason now, you know, preseason's preseason, I get it. But what he did in the preseason was so precise and, 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 and so uh, uncommonly um, almost perfect that it can't be discounted. The guy obviously knows how to throw a football. Um, he didn't look to me out there like he was completely confused. There's sometimes where you get to a third string quarterback and it looks like you might as well just have, anybody there so to me he did some good things um the offensive line um you know they're decimated um it seems like the same old conversation when you talk about the dolphins for god how many years i can't remember but you know um, <laughs> yeah, offensive mired line. in mediocrity brett that's offensive. the uh, phrase that we always well, use mired in mediocrity we've been bitching with that one the line for three decades uh, yeah. sometimes at some point i think mediocrity would be good um and yeah, yeah. that at times and so so here you know here they are and obviously you know they've added a great great player like Teron Armstead who ended up going down with an injury yesterday and now you're seeing young kids in there at certain positions so look it's tough out there and you know I represent a lot of offensive linemen around the league I understand you know it's there's a reason why those the good ones are some of the highest paid players on the field and oh, yeah. so you know while those guys don't get as much attention as a star running back or star quarterback or star defensive end. Uh, everything starts and ends with them. And so teams usually only go as far as their offensive line is really able to allow them to go. And so if you got quarterbacks that are getting hammered back there and, you know, you get a quarterback, you know, your starter's gone down with a concussion once. Uh, some people might argue twice. And then your backup, you know, goes down with, some sort of injury some people are saying concussion who knows uh in the first play of the game and now you're down to your third quarterback you know you add that up along with the state of the offensive line uh some other good players not playing and just a lot of other factors including hey you got to give credit to the jets they made some big plays so when you add it all up a loss is a loss doesn't matter whether you lose by one point 30 points 100 points you know, they just have to look at it as a loss. They still have a winning record now. And uh, be curious to see how uh, how they come out next week and respond. I think if uh, Thompson went down, sorry, Luby, uh, I think if Thompson went down, they would uh, they would have to put in Jim Jensen or something. <laughs> <laughs> they were really scraping, uh, you know, the bottom there when it, when it came. You know, not an easy spot. Go ahead, Luby. Uh, well, I mean, with us here. I'm going to believe her points, but I, I just – it's funny you mentioned the name there, and the big issue with signing him was injury. Is injury prone to thing, Test Man? Because people like us say this: that guy's injury prone. That guy's fragile. Defoe's buddy can't get over Tua. He's fragile, even though 
I mean, it seemed like he was hit decently hard. Teron Armstead has been hurt his entire career. The Dolphins signed him. He's been hurt the entire time he's been here. Like, even when he's played, he's played hurt, and then he missed yesterday. So I ask you as a guy who's been around the league, when we say injury-prone and people scoff at that, is is it a real thing? Are certain players just injury-prone? I think they can be. I mean, everybody is physically built different. You know, I mean, you and I can both take the exact same fall tripping off a sidewalk and maybe one of us just dusts themselves up and walks away and maybe the other tears an ACL. So no two human bodies are identical if you want to look at it from a a physical slash medical standpoint. Uh, Other guys play a certain brand of football that opens them up to more injury. If it's somebody who plays extremely physically or aggressively or recklessly, uh, you know, it's certainly possible that things like that can happen. Obviously, the position a guy plays has something to do with it. Uh, Usually, offensive linemen don't get as injured as, say, people like running backs or people like safeties or people like linebackers. You know, people who are playing positions where you're seeing full-speed collisions, things like that. Obviously, quarterbacks can be susceptible to different types of injuries because in some cases, they're basically back there in the pocket, helpless and prone. And and, and in some situations, if there's a breakdown blocking, I mean, guys just get a complete free shot at them. So, you know, things can happen back there. We saw it with Tua. Um, But just, you know, overall in general, um, in the case of a Toronto Armstead, just because that's an example you made, uh, there's a reason why the Dolphins were able to get that guy because yeah, again, he went healthy is one of the more talented linemen in the league, you know, one of the better tackles of this generation. And so guys like that typically aren't just sitting out there where a team can just go ahead and pick them up. And so, you know, if the Saints felt like he was still playing at the highest level and that, you know, he was, um, he was durable and dependable in that way. You know, that's the kind of guy, a left tackle, you give that guy a blank check. There's no way you let that guy ever leave. You don't even let that guy come into a contract year. So, you know, there's a reason why the Dolphins were able to get him. And sometimes as a team like the Dolphins, when you've got a young quarterback that's trying to emerge as as a next-tier player and you now have top receivers like Hill and Waddle and the top running back like Mostert, and a top tight end like Gusecki, you know, you've got to try to roll the dice a little bit. And so when you go ahead and, and, and get a guy like Teron Armstead in here, it's a high-risk, high-reward move. And so it's, it's something that I certainly uh, think made great sense for the Dolphins to do. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, you saw him have to exit the game. We'll see what ends up happening there. But uh, he's definitely one of those guys that brings tremendous ability um, helps increase the overall confidence and the morale of that line. Uh, certainly a great um, example for the younger linemen on this team, guys that are trying to find their way in this league. You know, a great example of, 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 of a professional and, and, and what to aspire to in terms of level of greatness. So, you know, for all these reasons, it was it was great to get him in here, and hopefully it still will continue to be, but yes. Obviously, there's been those concerns, and so when something like this happens, it obviously opens up the door for people like you guys and you know other people watching and be like, "Yep, see, that's uh, that's that's what uh, that's what we expect from him." So, 
fair or unfair, that's the way the league works. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Brett Tester, the agent of the stars uh, with us. Uh, I, I knew you were a sharp guy, and uh, I was just – was reading some commentary by the great Phil Mushnick a couple of days ago in the New York Post, and he was talking about how uh, all of these positions, except for uh, offensive line and maybe interior defensive line, are referred to as skill positions. And yet, uh, as you stated, uh, without these uh, big lugs up front, these sumo wrestlers, uh, uh, you you really have no chance. And we've seen it around the league. And and I I don't know if it's uh, new. Or I'm just uh, watching it more, but uh, you know we're seeing some horrible offensive line oh. play all over the place. Where, where you know your big left tackle is just whiffing on blocks, and uh, you know quarterbacks are getting murdered. Uh, you know it really is. Uh, you know, uh, and, and unfortunately with the Dolphins, uh, that's been a position of concern forever. It seems like it's thirty years since uh, you know Keith Sims and <laughs> Richmond Webb were there with Tim Ruddy, our buddy. Unbelievable. So uh, yeah, you're very smart to represent the offensive line. Yes. And they probably should be referred to as a skilled position players. And everybody else should be just a regular slug, uh, you know, in terms of that consideration. It's it definitely, it, it really, this is, this is where things begin and end with most offenses. Because, you know, when I saw Ryan Tannehill playing down here, I realized that, hey, you know, when this guy has the opportunity to do something, you know, he, he, he can do it. That's not to say I thought he was the second coming of Rodgers or Brady. But on the other hand, you know, you just saw the guy back there getting absolutely killed, running for his life. I mean, you know, you saw some plays earlier this year. I mean, Raheem Mostert didn't become the NFL's all-time yards per carry leader, uh, which he was coming into this season, uh, by not, you know, knowing how to find an opening and, 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 and the ability to evade uh, would be tacklers and to, to, to be able to carry the ball upfield. So, you know, no matter how great you are, when you get the ball handed to you and, you know, in the blink of an eye, you've got two guys wrapping you up three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anything Jim Brown could do in that situation. <laughs> so, you know, behind a Dolphins offensive line, we would have uh, never heard of him. <laughs> he would have been just you another guy named Brown. J.B. Brown would have been more popular than Jim Brown. <laughs> you think – you know, guys, you think about some of the quarterbacks here throughout the years, and there's been many of them. You know, yeah. you look at the A.J. Seeley thing. You look at the Sage Rosenfeld thing. You look at, you know, so many of these guys. The reality is, I mean, they're just back there getting killed. Yeah. And I could yeah. honestly say that if you took Josh Allen of today, if you took Tom Brady in his greatest season, if you took Joe Montana, if you took just about anybody <laughs> and put them in those circumstances, yeah, there's uh-huh. simply no way they could succeed. Yeah. And so yeah. it's just a matter of, it, 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 it's a matter of, uh, I think it's pretty clear what the team has now and the value in those guys and the importance of providing protection to let the guy who pulls the trigger, you know, the quarterback, the guy who makes this entire offense happen, because as great as it is to have Tyreek, as great as it is to have Waddle, it's worthless if these guys, A, don't have time to get open, and B, if the guy who's supposed to be delivering them the ball is in complete duress, running for his life, or even worse, getting slammed hard to the turf. So um, I think the, uh, the coaches, I think the front office, I think everybody knows moving forward, you know, the areas of this team uh, that need to be upgraded. And uh, and I'm sure they'll continue working on that. It's, it's never easy during a season because, again, it's not like, you know, David Bakhtiari is just going to, you know, end up in your starting lineup next week. It's not like, uh, 
you know, some of the guys you consider to be the best linemen. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a position where, you know, you really have to use draft capital to get certain positions. If you're talking about tackles, especially a left tackle, you know, for a franchise type guy, that's a guy you got to go ahead and go after, you know, the top five picks to be able to get, you know, one of those Tristan Wirfs types or, you know, just some of the guys that you consider to be the best in the league. So it's going to be, it's going to take a little time, hopefully sooner rather than later, but there's definitely a lot of pieces down here that people, you know, should be excited about and that people are excited about. And this team's going to win games and uh, they're certainly heading in the right direction. And uh, so, you know, be interesting to see in the coming weeks, what direction it all goes. When they uh, put in the next phase of uh, protecting quarterbacks from concussions, uh, how many Mississippis are you in favor of? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know who would be in favor of it, and that would be Michael D. Wild, because he doesn't like to see anybody get hurt, especially when it comes to uh, settling the affairs uh, of an estate. And uh, he, he is the number one leader, Brett Tesser, uh, when it comes to estate planning and wills and trusts. Yeah, no question about it, Deep. And it's great that so many people down here in South Florida, thousands and thousands have reached out to him throughout the years. You can find him at SouthFloridaWills.com, easily the best estate planning attorney down here. And for those who feel like it's something they just don't want to deal with right now or they don't want to spend the money to get done, just know this. It's it's a very simple, affordable process, much more so than you may expect. And it's something where once you get it done, it takes such a weight off your back and it allows you to sleep easy knowing that regardless what the future holds, your family is going to be taken care of. Reach out to Michael Wild, SouthFloridaWills.com. And it was wild yesterday. I mean, uh, I, I'm watching kind of casually the game while I'm betting the ponies uh, at a local paramutual facility and uh, one eye on the ball game. And I'm looking, I go, man, who, who's that guy? He, he's just running so hard. And uh, bodies are flying all over the place. And, uh, you know, it's such speed. And I look, I go, that's 31. Holy and I say it, holy shit, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's Brett's man. So uh, congratulations on that, and, and, and it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks so much uh, for being with us. Always my pleasure, and I uh, look forward to talking to you guys next week. Take care. Yes, yes, man. All right, sounds good. So that was a surfing movie. You know, he told us that before. That, uh, oh, he was like swimming to get out to the o- – is that what it is? Like he was Paddling his way, get- yeah, yeah. That was a good move, though, uh, when he scored that touchdown. Now, did he score a couple of touchdowns, one running, one passing? I know he got the one touchdown. Uh, or receiving? A great yeah. run. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it seemed like uh, I only saw coverage of one, but then uh, I, I don't one. know. Maybe uh, – He had one touchdown. I'm thinking of somebody else. One but touchdown. He, he okay. ran for hundred. his first 100-yard rushing game as a Dolphin. So that's oh, that was Leonard Fournette that had, like, the rushing touchdown and the receiving touchdown also on uh, kind of a weird play. As, uh, once again, uh, the officials find a way to bail out Tom Brady. <laughs> that wasn't even questionable. That's my problem. Is like, Why does he even need to hire a divorce attorney? He should just use the NFL attorneys. They've been on, his been on his side, side the entire time. Are they incompetent in divorce matters? Giselle could probably hire a powerhouse oh firm. but Come on. I started to say, I mean, uh, you know, we, we were talking about, like, splitting hairs on a check. And stuff. Uh, you call your divorce attorney, and uh, like you could call and just say, "Hey, uh, when's the hearing?" And the guy goes, uh, "Tuesday at three. Okay, thanks. And they bill you for a tenth oh of an hour. Oh my god, are you kidding me? Yeah, like fifty bucks. They never did. They're charging you five hundred dollars an hour, and, and and it was fifty bucks for like a tenth of an hour. And this guy's billing. I'm like, you bill by the tenth of an hour. A taxi cab doesn't even shave you like that when you get in, and they put up the original five seventy five now or whatever it is. 
That always hurt me, too, when they would flop on the, uh, you know, the original there. dollar and a quarter, and it was like, I'm already at a dollar and a quarter? What the hell? <laughs> I've gone anywhere. How much is this going to cost me? And every eighth of a mile? Run that light, you schmuck. That used to stress me out where you're sitting and it's just going up. I'm like, dude, you haven't moved. <laughs> Say, what is this? A I fucking slot that. machine? I mean, well, let's... <laughs> I hate that so much. Reels are spinning in different directions. What, what's oh going on here, God. Jack? All right. Hey, 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 Omar, yeah, take me to my destination, exactly. will you? Uh, all right. Uh, was that some kind of racist statement there? Uh, I don't know. I, I, no? I don't know at all. Probably not. I don't know. It just always Probably seemed so. like whoever, I, you know, whenever I was in a camp. They're usually, they're usually Indian or Pakistani. That's not a Omar, racial yeah. thing. I mean, it's just the Turban, the whole thing, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were. Didn't matter where you were either. What city you were in. Anywhere in the Northeast. All right. Uh, we're coming back with more and a lot to discuss. We, we haven't touched on the college football, well, the baseball canes, playoffs. My but we're fantastic. The hurricane game was kind of interesting again. Uh, and uh, Mario Cristobal is, uh, you know, saying all of the right things. But um, I, I don't know. I, I have a thought on that. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Because I, I want to tell you first about Jimmy Johnson's big chill. Yes. And by the way, Luby, we had uh, Tommy Fox is, is working on it now. Have we had discussions? Please, let, I'm ready, man. I can, believe me. Under discussion. What's going on in my world? I can use just. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to uh, get down there for the weekend. Maybe, uh, you know, show up on Sunday, stay till Monday, and, and do the show there uh, on Monday morning with Jimmy Johnson. Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, it, it's in the works. Uh, Tommy Fox uh, acknowledged that uh, this was something that, Make it that needed to be put together sometime soon. So uh, we'll see if we can pull that off uh, sometime before the end of the month. And uh, it'll be great timing because uh, Jimmy's got a book coming out and uh, he'll probably be around uh, Jimmy Johnson's big chill quite a bit because uh, he, he loves to chill out there, man. He, he'll bring like a whole contingent. You'll, you'll uh, see one night as Jimmy sitting at the table with like Belichick and Butch Davis <laughs> and uh, all of the guys that he's friends with that he's going to take out fishing the next day. And he really does know how to party. And that's kind of the atmosphere that, that you get there at the big chill. I mean, it could be anything, whether you're of celebrity stature or, you know, you, you just got uh, off uh, work on your second job and want to relax uh, down in the Keys for a couple of days. Uh, this is the place to go. And also, I mean, just even for a quick stop, because uh, the food there is dynamite and, and uh, you can't get in and out quickly. It's not one of those places where, uh, you know, you, you have to send uh, you know a telegraph to get somebody's attention. Uh, can I get a drink over here? <laughs> Which is fine. I know it's the keys. It's Chill out, keys. Depot. You know, yeah, you're not like uh, Penn Station. <laughs> you know, grabbing a Needix orange and a hot dog and running to catch the Long Island Railroad. Uh, you know, you're, you're supposed to relax a little bit. So what if you're schwitzing? Uh, but, but at the Big Chill, they have it set up perfectly, too. You, you don't even have to, uh, you know, even when it's like 1,000 degrees outside, it's always a comfortable place to be. Got the great swimming pool and uh, all kinds of water sports available to you. Tremendous uh, restaurant with a wide variety of things, uh, the freshest of fish, all the way to their customized pizzas, including, as we always talk about, the Italian fisherman, which is a must-try lifetime. Whether or not you're a pizza connoisseur, you, you have to try this thing. When I saw it on the menu, I thought, man, that ain't me. I'm a simple guy. I mean, uh, give me uh, pepperoni and mushrooms, uh, maybe some onions if I'm not sharing this pizza with anybody that hates onions, like the wife. Um you know, and, and that, that's fine with me. I, I'm not really a complicated pizza guy. And uh, yet, wow, I, I tried the Italian fish. But that thing was exceptional, I have to say. I mean, that would be worth, as a culinary item, it would be worth a trip <laughs> virtually anywhere just to check that out. 
And that's one of many things. I mean, you know, whatever you want, you want burgers. I mean, they have the standard stuff. They have the sports bar there. They got all the screens going uh, wild on a college football Saturday, pro football Sunday, and any time during the week, too. If uh, you want to just uh, chill out, have a great time in a tremendous atmosphere with great food and drink, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. That's mile marker 104 on the Overseas Highway in the beautiful city of Key Largo. All right, we're coming back with a lot more. Well, we'll get into that uh, Hurricanes game a little bit and uh, many other things happening in college football. Uh, I, I do have a thought on that because, uh, you know, this whole patience thing, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how applicable it is anymore. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm an FSU fan. This is your three. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, these five-year programs don't work. We've seen it. How many five-year programs have the oh, Marlins no, you're not getting five baseball? years. I, I just, I mean, I'm okay with a guy getting three. I think you should get three. I just, the problem is, if you want to come in and get paid a lot of money, Jimbo, Mario Cristobal, then that cuts down your time frame. Like, Norvell didn't take a lot of money, and that's a small buyout. So, to me, that gave him three years. Cristobal came in, leaving Oregon scorned and coming home and the savior and uh, talking about the 80s and the prime Jimmy Johnson. Okay. It was all coming back, man. If you're going to do that, know what's coming with it. You can't. Throw in the, oh, by the way, it's going to take time. No. You just did the whole parade goddamn thing. You did the whole, you're the man. Okay. I mean, we, we were, you know, with the Hurricanes, uh, we were among fans that believed they were really going to be good this year. I, I told you, I, I was not. <laughs> like, they didn't magically get a whole new roster. I, you know, I, I, I bought the rhetoric. I, I really I, did. Well, I, I, I don't did. know that I assumed that Cristobal was going to come in here and crystallize this movement back to the you know, 80s and no. 90s and the early 2000s, because uh, I, I, I don't believe that will ever happen again oh, uh, they, to this program. I really win, don't. Win 9, 10 games, they'd compete, they'd be in it for the the Coastal. They, you know, like you thought all those things, which is what you should And, and look good doing it. You know, that, that's the other thing. Look good doing it. I mean, when they're in there against, the, you know, one of the heavyweights, you figure they're in there with a shot, a real shot, even on the road. Uh, that, that was a good feeling. Uh, but But those Hurricane teams were so good. I mean, uh, we, we didn't realize how spoiled we got. I, I don't know how they did it and sustained it through, uh, you know, a series of different coaches also, who, who also had different approaches, different styles, different personas, and uh, somehow sustained the level of excellence. That, that was just amazing Well, they were able, over a 20-year period. Well, it's why all three schools, and there's so much talent in the state of Florida, not just South Florida, the state of Florida, that until the nation ransacked it, all three schools could dominate because yeah. – it was the word wasn't out as Howard and Bobby sort of talked about. The problem is that's not the case. <laughs> like everyone recruits South Florida, everyone recruits Florida, so it takes time and work. And I, I was curious how much time the Canes fans would give Cristobal. They were booing by game two, so you saw not a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, there was some rise for hope in, in this one, and, and then yeah, it was uh, quickly thwarted. Yeah. Uh, you know, just uh, so some serious uh, ugliness as, uh, I mean, uh, North Carolina well, was a very vulnerable team uh, coming into this sucks. game. Uh, I mean, uh, they had uh, been in a dogfight in, in a 60-point range with Appalachian State, yep. uh, who, who's been spotty. I mean, uh, they, they, you know, had their big moment there at Texas A&M, but then they came right back and, like, lost to some schmank team. Yep. So, uh, you know, I mean, uh, and, and as, uh, you know, as Brett Tesser said, I mean, uh, using uh, the – the idea that uh, water rises to its level right? and eventually lowers to uh, whatever level it's going to uh, you know, be at also. Uh, Hurricanes, though, uh, wow, that, that was uh, perplexing again, I, I have to say. 
I mean, uh, this kid, Maine, that was quarterbacking for North Carolina, uh, pretty much uh, wiped the floor with the Hurricane defense. And they were in a position, you know, to possibly win the game. And, and then my Heisman Trophy candidate, 40-1, to 1, Tyler Van Dyke, throws like just a, an ugly pick unnecessarily. Because, you know, the weird thing about college football, when you're out of timeouts, it's it's okay you got a minute and a hook left in the game. And, and it actually plays into the hands of the team if they need a field goal to either tie or win a ball game. Because you get the stoppage of the clock, which is kind of weird to move the chains. And uh, so uh, as long as you're moving with those two fat guys that are working the chains there that somehow, you know, are getting paid 300 a game to stand on the sideline <laughs> and essentially do nothing. And, and But with all the different things, we don't even have lines people in tennis anymore, Luby. Why are we still doing football measurements by oh, chains? That's my favorite. Chains and the eyeball test. Of the I officials. Like I mean, would they not be somehow able to electronically monitor exactly where the ball should be spotted? And, uh, you know, and and whether or not it was a 10-yard uh, span or not. I mean, you know, you could put a, a stick out there and kind of approximate where, where the 10-yard line, ten yard line is. But, uh, I mean, you have the yellow line that they put across the field, although it's not really uh, 100% accurate. But, but how is it that we're still relying on uh, some old geezer? <laughs> That played for Dartmouth in the 40s to officiate a game as an ACC official. Some old conjure running back and forth like he was Walter Brennan. And, uh, you know, what was that, wagon train that he was on? I don't know, some old show. Anyway, uh, what was that, Baraxo sponsored that. Did you ever wash your hands no, with Baraxo? No, I don't even work? know what Baraxo is. Oh, my God, some kind of soap that was so coarse. You'd be bleeding from every pore by the time you finish washing your hands. God forbid you should rub a little bit of, you know, in the rear end. All right, uh, much to discuss here on the program. Uh, so we'll get into the colleges uh, and the baseball stuff. See, I'm fascinated by postseason baseball. I, I watched a lot of it. I really did. I, did. I watched quite a bit of it. Uh, more than I, uh, you know, would have cared to, uh, and you know, because it was the first round. But uh, you know, the games that were very, very compelling for the most part, and uh, you know, the storylines are great. Plus, it's uh, good to familiarize yourself again with a sport that you were in love with uh, many, many years ago. And I'm not one of those people that says it's become unwatchable, but it's kind of becoming unwatchable. <laughs> regular, regular season baseball. Maybe that's just our team here because they lose all the time. Uh, or don't really present a whole lot of excitement. And, and that's the other thing that we always said about the Dolphins. Not only were they mired in mediocrity, but uh, they, they were they were boring in, in doing that. They, they had really nothing that raised a buzz in terms of the excitement meter on, on those teams. Quarterbacks that were always questionable, offensive lines uh, that, that were as porous as could be. I mean, literally, as thin as uh, an O.J. Simpson alibi. Uh, ugliness. And, uh, you know, defenses that were, eh, that was it. I mean, <laughs> forever. So uh, there was rise for hope. I don't know if that's been completely dashed. It certainly has been. Well, with the Hurricanes, uh, you know, they, they they have problems. And and my theory is if you're one of these high-profile coaches that takes like a billion dollars from a school to come there, yep. with the ability to attract transfer players, you should be able to get good like almost right away. With USC. Look at Lincoln Riley. Exactly. That's what I was thinking about. Is he unique, or is that Look shouldn't what, that be true? If you're Jimbo, or if you're any of these guys that moves around like uh, Larry Brown, carpet bagging your way around to uh, zillions of dollars, and nothing wrong with it. That's your profession. You got into it. Somehow you put yourself in a position to make this score. 
people think a lot of you and uh, they think you can do the job and, and so they invest like I don't know what they're paying Mario but it's eight it's million a year. Low. They're paying him eight, eight million, million a year. Yeah, he's one of the top ten or so paid coaches in college football. Shouldn't you uh, naturally attract uh, some of these people to come to your program that are sitting there now in the transfer portal, which uh, seems to be, I mean, as quick a way to fix anything? It's startling to me because I'm I'm still caught up in, in the old school view of college football where a guy transfers and he's finished. Yeah, exactly. He'd be, be better off playing in Canada because he's never coming. He's ineligible for the next seven seasons. Right? You never hear from the guy again. And now you got like a guy starting, uh, you know, that, that was on the national championship team as their starter just last year for another school. And he's already on the field. So, um, you know, it's kind of weird. I, I would think that, that a guy of this guy's stature, if he was really worth that kind of money, and, uh, you know, is capable of turning a program around, would have brought, I don't know who he brought with him besides no. coaches, but uh, th- was he able to attract any of these star players like Lincoln Riley was no. uh, going to USC to turn them into a team that's now ranked, uh, what, like like fifth or sixth the in the country? Five, yeah, I mean, they didn't lose. I think yeah. it was the top five. Six I, and oh. Yeah. That was my problem with the, the Cristobal hire was he got them a top 15-ish class. Right now they have a top 10-ish class. So yeah. that's important. And that's why in two to three years, I think they will be turned around to a certain extent. But he was getting paid like he was one of these dudes that's going to come right in and get it done. And I, I was like, okay. <laughs> like, we'll see, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, not a whole lot of difference in terms of results than uh, maybe even worse than Manny Diaz was getting. No, Manny Diaz did better. Yeah. I mean, he just did. So uh, yeah, that was pretty place. wild. All right, uh, we're coming back with more in a moment here. We'll uh, be with you until uh, 9 o'clock. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby-Lubitz on uh, South Florida Live. Uh, Lots of college football, uh, Major League Baseball as well. Mets fans uh, have to be – were they expecting it? I think they just have become accustomed to this sort of thing where they have a great season and end up with uh, nada. So uh, very unfortunate there for uh, our loyal Mets fans. Uh, Back with more in a moment. Uh, Now that. The time. It's 8-21. Hey folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food. Amazing atmosphere. Good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks, hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. This comes from the great Defo Lama. It's the bets you don't make, the chances you don't take that can compromise an otherwise incredible life, my friend. The only way to get your morning started is with Depot, joined by Luby, right here on The Depot Show. 
right. Uh, Finns have people uh, crying here in town. All of a sudden, uh, non-believers. The uh, hurricane's uh, an outright mess. Uh, it seemed like they had more attention being paid by the crowd there. Uh, looked a little better than the Middle Tennessee State crowd. But uh, nonetheless, they walked away disappointed. Uh, and, uh, you know, they rallied in the ball game. Looked like they had a shot. That they were going to tie it up. And uh, then, unfortunately, Tyler Van Dyke just sails one, man. I mean, you're talking Christopher Cross time. Sailing. Look like Jimmy Garoppolo out there. Well, with the little things, Hello. like at the end of the game, the receiver, and they, they were going marching down the field. I'm not going to lie. Carolina's defense is horrible, and they were taking advantage yeah. of it. And the receiver, the freshman tight end receiver, doesn't get out of bounds. So now the clock's ru- rushing. Now Tyler Van Dyke, who does have a propensity to make mistakes, if he's rushing, forces a ball that he probably wouldn't have if he knew the clock was stopped. What, uh, what What's May's first name? I, Drake, I May. Right now. Drake May. Drake May. I mean, he's a good quarterback. The kid's that, legit. That guy, I mean, he, he's got to be getting all kinds of, uh, you know, I mean, uh, females there at, at North Carolina. <laughs> no? Good-looking kid. Quarterback of the team. Seemed very cool. Said all the right things. You know, a model of uh, decorum there after the ball game. Said all the right things. And I'm thinking, great hair. I mean, uh, this, this guy, I mean, he's got to be killing it in the sorority houses. You think about different things. At North do. Carolina. Think about those dainty southern bells. Uh, that's the way to go, man. I mean, uh, you know, never mind uh, the points that he might have scored in that ball game by winning for North Carolina. And uh, uh, Mac Brown, man, I mean, how long has that guy been coaching? A hundred years? He was out of coaching for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, he was out and he's been back. And, and now he's back for like another 15. I mean, how old is this guy, Mac Brown? I think he's 70s. I feel like. I feel like he's got to be Unbelievable. 70s. All right. Um, a lot of uh, other good stuff uh, in uh, college football, uh, including what what happened to Oklahoma. I was going to say, Venables is another one. And then they got, and they got plastered. I mean, that was 49 a, to nothing. Texas is okay. <laughs> They're not great. That's a stinker of major proportions there. Who let one go? Exactly. My God. <laughs> and, and we're in an elevator. Have you no consideration. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. For the human condition. That's yeah. Literally, and, and this rivalry's gone on for how, how long? That's the worst. Wow. Score in this rivalry. Forty nine nothing. All right. Florida beats uh, Missouri twenty four seventeen. Missouri was considered a doormat until they had Georgia by the jugular just uh, what a week ago, yeah. yep. and I thought uh, maybe that uh, was their big shot. Uh, they rose to a level that yeah. uh, seemed incomparable for their level of talent, and uh, they went back to the pack there to lose to Florida. But the Gators are four and two, and yeah. uh, I, I can't say. Well, what's happening with that quarterback? Is he still uh, sparking interest as being? You know, one of the sensational players on the college football scene, or uh, has he kind of come back to the back? The professor likes him a lot because, look, raw ability is interesting. Like, the kid's big, strong. He has a cannon. He can run. I have questions because he makes stupid-ass decisions, and he likes to take yeah. chances, and he's in, he's utterly he's inaccurate and inconsistent. So I don't know what to do, Richardson. I mean, he's younger. He's younger. So, you know, maybe. I just – the Van Dyke and Richardson thing was a year ahead of schedule. Like, both those guys have a lot of ability, but – they also make a lot of dumbass mistakes that I figured this would be the year they work it out. And then next year, they may be interesting quarterbacks. Like, all that stuff this offseason didn't make any sense to me about those two guys. And we all right, and a little flip-flopping there in the uh, top three. Anyway, Georgia goes back to number yeah. one after uh, shellacking Auburn. Uh, Ohio State is now uh, the number two team in the country. Alabama falls all the way to number three. Nick has to be screaming today. <laughs> Although he didn't want his players uh, eating that rat poison by being ranked number one. 
he, I mean, is so lucky, this guy. Is it that he's lucky or good? Both. I guess it's good. I, I, I think he has better luck than he has uh, ability to coach. Obviously, he knows how to run a program. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't deny that, even if you despise Nick Saban. I mean, he's got the number one program year after year after year after year. That they're they're right there. Uh, I don't know that Mike Shula w- would have taken him to this level, <laughs> although the original concept was no. that Nick uh, inherited a, a very healthy nest when he got to Alabama, that Shula was on the cusp of maybe making something happen. I mean, but but Mike Shula is not Nick Saban. No. Okay. He's not. I mean, uh, I guess he's working somewhere as an offensive coordinator. I think he might be working in the pros, Mike Shula. I'm not he sure was in the pros if uh, he forever. still has a job. I don't know if he still is yeah. there. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, Nick Saban for Alabama was whatever program he was running was probably if it had the resources to be in Alabama where, you know, you maybe have a handful of schools that could have accomplished that. But but Nick Saban would be winning at Clemson. He'd be winning at Georgia. He, yes. He's winning at Alabama. Yes. Uh, could he win at the University of Miami? That that's that's a good question. I guess you have to plug that into the equation, as uh, people are, are ready to bury uh, Mario Cristobal already. Uh, maybe nobody can make this work. They could throw all of the money in the world at it, and, and it's just not going to happen. Uh, your Florida State Seminoles uh, unfortunately lose uh, to uh, NC State. They were up in that ball game, seventeen to three at half. Yeah, didn't score one point in the second half. Got nailed uh, at the wire there, and uh, NC State prevails uh, 19 to 17. Uh, interestingly, and I, I covered a lot of UCLA and USC football when I was a sports writer in Los Angeles uh, for a while, and uh, you know it, it 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 was of big interest naturally because USC was a powerhouse, and UCLA had had its moments as kind of the city's. It's funny too because in basketball, UCLA was as big as the Lakers at that time if not bigger, and uh, USC was never much, uh, you know, in terms of being a basketball school, even though uh, they had good players. Uh, in, in football, uh, UCLA w- was good. I mean, uh, they, they had many, many uh, very good teams back then. They they had uh, high-profile coaches, including Dick Vermeil, and uh, yet they, they were the redheaded stepchild uh, of uh, college football in Los Angeles. Uh, then neither team was amounting to whole, you know, a whole hell of a lot, it's, right? It's, yeah. I don't know. Did Carl Durrell do anything at UCLA when he was there? Uh, no, he ended up at Colorado and ended up getting fired two games into the season. So, uh, and, and uh, USC, you always thought was going to be good, and, and they were making the effort, and they were always involved in controversial things uh, with Pat Hayden as the athletic director and various coaches and Sarkeesian and all of this stuff that went on there, but uh, none of it was good. And it turned out they were never quite able to uh, get to the next level. And um, I, I don't know that they're there yet, because, uh, you know, they, they've had a couple of scares. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, 6-0 and for UCLA and uh, 6-0 and for uh, USC. Okay. Unbelievable. What did UCLA ranked? Did UCLA ranked high? Um, you know, at 6-0, and I would imagine they have to uh, have popped in there somewhere, right? Because they beat Utah. They, they beat Utah. Oh, my God, yeah. they're 11. Oh, Jesus. So uh, that, that was uncommon. And yet, you know it's going to be in the spotlight in Los Angeles. It, it won't be the uh, perils of the Rams, who again looked like garbage yesterday, huh? Is Matthew Stafford, I mean, is that going to be his uh, legacy that he was one and done? Uh, you know, and, and it's interesting to me because I, I was thinking about how preposterous it was uh, that the Miami Dolphins, in terms of a franchise direction, wanted to have a 45-year-old Tom Brady as their quarterback yeah. this year. Oh, Imagine it. And, and, I mean, they would have had Sean Payton. It would have been an entirely different – I mean, an entirely different feel to the organization. But, uh, I mean, can you imagine Tom Brady trying to survive behind a Dolphins offensive line? Every guy, we're down to our third guy. Every other guy has had his skull cracked open. 
so far. So, I mean, uh, although, you know what? The first two injury where he looked to have con- incurred a concussion, and if you were going to have concerns, that was legitimate. When a guy gets up and stumbles like Trevor Burbick did, remember when Mike Tyson knocked him out and he got up and then he went down again uh, w- without another punch being thrown? I mean, uh, the ref's still counting four or five, you're all right, and he goes down a second time. And that, that's what Tua looked like. So you're thinking if anybody's concussed, uh, it, it might be this guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, here's a team that's, uh, you know, down to a, a third-string quarterback. And, uh, you know, people people still are, are, are screaming, saying, oh, my God, I can't believe we lost to the Jets. That, that, that was another example of what we always talk about. You, you can never, uh, you know, make a decision like in week number one or before the season starts about week five. You have no idea what the scenario is going to look like. Yep. And, and this was as favorable for the Jets uh, as any. All right. Uh, this was good, too, uh, on the pros. Uh, my friend Francesco swapped the board. He bet four college games against me, gave me four of them, and uh, and I lost them all. Very close, right? I had Miami laying three and a hook. I had NC State laying three and a hook. Miami oh, yeah. lost outright. Yeah, NC FSU's State won by covered. two. Yeah, FSU still covered now. LSU got blown out. They were getting two and a half, and yes. uh, BYU uh, lost oh, to uh, no. Notre Dame by like eight. <laughs> Those are all games I would have agreed with you. <laughs> well, I, I didn't. I didn't pick the side. I mean, I, know, I, I, know, I was I given. I was given these uh, picks. I, I I liked North Carolina to beat Miami. I, I would have taken North Carolina in that game. Uh, NC State, I would have taken over Florida State. I would have laid the three and a hook. Uh, LSU, I'm not a believer in, so I probably wouldn't have bet that game at all. And uh, BYU uh, against Notre Dame. I don't have that much respect for Notre Dame, but uh, somehow Notre Dame is now, what, 3-2? and two? And uh, they, they did handle uh, BYU in that game. All right, so here's, here's how it lined up in the pros yesterday. All right, so I, I lose all four games. That's four units uh, out the window there. I, I was up like eight for the season. So now uh, up four units. Here, here are the pros. Uh, I have Houston plus seven. Uh, they went out right. I have Atlanta plus 10. They're getting clobbered early in a game by uh, Tampa Bay. Looks like it's going to be a runaway. They come back and they lose by six. Nice. So uh, 2-0. I have Chicago plus seven, and uh, they ended up – no, no, they ended up uh, getting within seven, so that game turned out to be a push. They were down by three scores, and then I look back, and they were down by two points. I'm like, what the hell happened? This (laughs) is the Michigan thing about betting. Now, now I had nothing to do with this. I would have never picked the Bears. The Bears suck, in my opinion. (laughs) They can't score at a Heidi Fleiss pool party. It's, It's disgusting. Uh, Jets plus three and a half. I like the Jets in that game against the Miami Dolphins uh, because I just thought this was another one of those things that Brandon Lang talks about, which, uh, by the way, on our podcast, Brandon Lang absolutely loved the Buffalo Bills in in their uh, game. uh, (laughs) And they won uh, 38 to three playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had all kinds of good rationale for it. Laying 14, biggest number on the board, said lay this all day long. So uh, that that was a good tip. But that, that game wasn't involved. Okay, so I have the Jets plus three and a half. So that's one, two. 3-0-1, 3-0-1, oh, all right? So we'll, we'll discount the push and just say it's 3-0. Oh. Uh, San Francisco laying six. Uh, they won by they like uh, 20 or something. Yeah, yeah very healthy much. Uh, Arizona plus five, yeah. and uh, Arizona covers the point spread, losing by three. And, oh, and that geez. was – this is the great thing. You, you watch the game from an entirely different dynamic if you have money on the game than you do if you're a fan. <laughs> now, ultimately, I, I guess you would like the team that you uh, would favor – in your heart uh, to win the ball game and, and, you know, then fail to cover the point spread if you're on the other side. Yeah. But I, I don't know that it matters because at the end of the game, you're, you're doing uh, you know, math permutations that are like, okay, 
Uh, what we need here, we need him. And I, I was having trouble following this game because uh, at that time I was home and I'm just looking on my phone and it showed that uh, Philadelphia was knocking on the door. They had a first and goal at the nine yard line with like uh, a minute and change to go in a game. Oh, Jesus. In a time ball game, 17, 17. No. Shit. So now if they have to kick the field goal to win the game, That's I right. win. Okay, and, and and if they go in for the touchdown, whoosh, I lose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now you have to sweat out these plays. It's incredible. And I, I mean, I leaped in the air when I saw it was fourth and five. <laughs> and they're kicking the field goal <laughs> with like twenty seconds to go. And of course, they're going to punt one through there, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that turned out to be a win there with uh, Arizona getting five points. All right, where was I on this thing? That's four and over. Oh, um, okay, Dallas uh, plus five and a half. They route. Yep. The uh, Los Angeles Rams. Oof. So uh, that's uh, Houston, Atlanta, Jets, San Francisco, 4-0, Arizona, 5-0, Dallas, 6-0. And I have uh, Cincinnati plus three last night. Oh. So uh, they ended up losing by two, right? Oh, gee. Well, really? That's amazing. Did that really- I mean, uh, yeah, they ended up, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the three points, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they lost up, by I two. Think, losing by two. What? Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. That's crazy. On all I, I wish I wasn't taken... just uh, booking these games with my friend. That would have been 7-0. and oh. Yeah, but you wouldn't have taken any of these. Like, you got you got the wrong side of every game. It just worked out. <laughs> uh, no, a couple of them I, I, mean, I, I would have gone I the Jets with the Dolphins. I, 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 li- I like the Jets. I like Arizona. I like Dallas. I mean, I would I didn't really have Dallas. an opinion on a Cincinnati Ravens game. I mean, the three points uh, looked prohibitive there. Yeah, I'm taking the Ravens. I uh, might have been inclined to take the three, thinking that maybe Cincinnati gets it together. Uh, Joe Burrow had about 15 passes blocked at the line of scrimmage uh, yesterday also. Yeah, where's So he? if you were a betting man, that was extremely frustrating. So, I mean, but a totally different dynamic. If you have even $5 on the game, totally different watching a game than it is if you have nothing on it and you're just sitting there half passed out going, eh, should I go back upstairs and get some potato chips? <laughs> is that sour cream still good? I have to check the expiration date. Let me ask you this, Luby. This is yes. a food question. I probably should run it by Mike Mayo we will. Uh, when we okay. do the lunchbox later on. Should cream cheese taste sour ever? No, I don't, no, I don't right? think so. Shouldn't it have like a, a sort of a basic sweetness to it? I don't know if it's sweet. That's interesting. I, I'm trying to think of what flavor I would call it. I mean, it's um, a store it's brand, sour. so it's not Philadelphia cream cheese. It's, it's like a Publix sour. brand. I mean, I buy Publix. T- tastes a little sour. I mean, is it advisable to continue eating this? Hoping that it starts tasting better. <laughs> is it brand new or it's older? Oh, uh, it was relatively new. No, it had uh, only been in the fridge like yes. uh, bur- bought within the week. And, uh, you know, about halfway through this thing, still trying to figure out if what I'm eating <laughs> is any good. Like Louis Pasteur wouldn't touch this shit. I don't think you should have to do a math problem <laughs> to figure out if it's good or not. <laughs> well, it has like a sour taste to it, a little bit of a sour yeah, taste. I've I- never... And I'm I'm too cheap to throw the whole tub out because cream cheese was one of those things that unfortunately got impacted very heavily by uh, inflation. I I, so. I get the store stuff. I, I I it's not sweet, but I don't. I would never go. Hmm, this cream cheese is sour. Like I don't. I don't think that's it has a bitter flavor. taste to it. A little bit of a bitter taste. <laughs> that's, but I, that's I don't want to throw it away, even though I know, like uh, you know, it, it's not very satisfying. It's, it's like, like disturbing. <laughs> You're like it's got to get good. <laughs> that's a good true false question for uh, Dave oh, Gergel's Gergley. Huh? Raheem Mostert. Is it true that he nearly took a surfing scholarship to, like, San Francisco State? Uh, you would have to think, no way, right? I mean, what connection is there to surfing? Um, 
Not a lot of uh, championship black surfers. Uh, have you seen a lot of black surfers? You're not getting uh, a lot of African-Americans. No, that's, I mean, if, I guess if you're from Daytona or Hawaii or Long Beach, you know, or Maui, maybe. It's just ingrained in you. Uh, I don't know that you've seen. I mean, it's not a sport that you really see, uh, you know. <laughs> see, Mayo, that's where he shows the uh, conservative side of himself because I – I only throw it out if it smells or it has a, a weird color to it. doesn't smell. It's new. I mean, uh, taste yeah, won't even it, stop it for me. It's just smell or color. If it's a discoloration. I'm curious to have some cream cheese expert taste it. <laughs> Is that a thing? Is there... I'll bring it to the next remote. <laughs> I like when Mayo makes a face. I really do. That's he was favorite. on fire by the way. He went to the Bake Shack. Uh, I don't know if the Bake Shack was just a, a good luck charm, but uh, both of us uh, made, I, I think, fairly nice scores. Nice. As uh, we went over, ventured over to the nearby Highlight Fronton, former Highlight Fronton, uh, now uh, the Casino at Dania. Nice. Which, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, it was very good. Mayo slaughtered him in the poker room, man. He took down his bunch of blue hairs uh, for, like, thousands. It was fairly amazing. Uh, what's that shining from your earlobe there, Luby, that you're covering up with the headphones? Uh, are you also putting a little grease on the baseball there that the Mets couldn't hit last no, night? Something's, no, I haven't done anything. I'm just balding. It's sad. <laughs> it always sucks, too, when you lay an egg at your big moment in sports. I mean, just, just have an awful game. You get one hit uh, in the entire ball game. I mean, uh, is um, uh, Musgrove... Musgrave, uh, is he that phenomenal? Musgrove, is he that phenomenal? I don't know. Like, he, he, he was good a, down the stretch, I guess. A uh, you know, uh, <laughs> what are the chances San Diego upsets the Dodgers in a best of five? I think low, but it's going to be a fun series. It sucks that Tatis isn't a part of it because he hates the Dodgers and the Dodgers hate him. Uh, Cleveland and the Yankees. Uh, you, you would have to give a big edge there to the New York Yankees. Oh yeah, I can't name you. A, I can't name you one Guardian, like not one. Uh, well, and beyond that, I mean, uh, if you look at that series, they, they won the first ball game two one, and the second one took fifteen they innings took to score eight, a run. Eight days, yeah, exactly. And the Yankees have Aaron Judge, and uh, you, you would think are going to put some runs up. Yep. Um, but uh, I mean, you can't win if you can't score. Look at the Yankees. How that resulted in a two game sweep? Think about that. They, they scored three runs in twenty four innings. That's crazy. Or twenty, yeah, twenty three innings, I guess. Since they were winning the ball game, they didn't bat in the ninth in the one game. So, uh, right, twenty-three innings, uh, three runs, and and they're going to go against the Yankees now. You got to be kidding me. Uh, so, so that one, I mean, looks uh, heavily, you know, towards the uh, favorite, does it not? Yankees over the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Seattle has to play Houston. The Seattle and Houston, uh, they played nineteen times during the regular season, as uh, was the custom. Uh, you know, I, I thought they changed that schedule. Uh, I, I thought I saw that uh, Seattle was seven and twelve against Houston uh, during the regular season, which you know is uh, what they're winning at like about a thirty-five percent clip, something like that. Um, do they have any chance in this uh, thing? I mean, that was a remarkable comeback, one of the greatest comebacks we've ever seen, perhaps the greatest in playoff history. No, they're down. I think they were down eight-one in the sixth inning. They rally and get it to eight-eight-five. And then uh, they're down uh, 9-5, and they rally and, and uh, end up uh, in a 9-9 tie, and, and they win the game. Uh, by, by, they, I, they went ahead 10-9 and, and staved off the uh, possible rally of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and, and swept two games in, in Toronto. Not too bad. And Philadelphia, that, that was a surprise, was it not? Mike Lovie-Lumitz, Philadelphia? Yeah, what the hell? St. Louis, right? Yeah, what is that? 
That came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yadier Molina out now after 20 years uh, catching. Uh, Pujols finished. This was it for him. Oh, good. Adam Wainwright uh, was. Uh, how long's he been in the league? I think he broke in with Whitey Ford. I did. I honestly didn't know he was still pitching. Like I really didn't. Yeah, but all of those guys. Uh, that was their last game. How, how deflating was that too? They lose a two zip to the Philadelphia Phillies after uh, losing on the uh, Friday night game, and uh, so Philadelphia moves on, and, and they have to take on uh, the Atlanta Braves now. Which, uh, could the Braves uh, easily be favored to win the World Series again? Would you take a shot with the Braves? I, I think you might be able to get a decent price on that. I lean Dodgers just because they were ridiculous, but I feel like the Braves have the pitching edge a little bit. We know how what matters to them playoffs. Guys that come through a lot, too. I mean, uh, not that the Dodgers don't. I mean, the Dodgers have a phenomenal season. I mean, the Dodgers have Freeman now. Yeah. When Kershaw has that looping curveball going, it can be pretty tough, and uh, obviously they have other guys in a rotation that uh, in a three-out-of-five series uh, what would give them a heck of an advantage. All right, uh, we're coming back with more uh, in a moment. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby, Lubitz. That's our baseball analysis. And yes, the Dodgers are good. You did it. <laughs> you won't hear this on other shows. Man, they were whining on this uh, Dolphin postgame show that I was listening to. Well, okay, were they bitching about injuries? Like, I don't get... Like, no, were no. they whining just to play? Uh, O.J. McDuffie was great. Our good friend O.J. McDuffie. Yeah, he was very forceful week. saying that, you know, I mean, yeah, you got to take accountability for everything that you do. It's fine. You know, next man up and all of that stuff. And, and uh, you know, that, you know, as they said in The Godfather, bada bee, bada boo. I mean, the standard uh, <laughs> concerns. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was talking about this. He was unhappy that, uh, you know, people in the locker room were, were using like a loser mentality. Oh, after no. The ball I mean, the players can't say that, but I mean. As a fan, I'm sorry. You're on your third quarterback. You're missing. I think they're missing three offensive linemen. You're missing your two starting corners. I mean, and the, and the Jets are better, and it's on the road. Like, I I still thought they should have won. And whatever could go wrong went wrong in that game. But that's my thing. Like, literally, you got a yeah. safety call that wasn't a safety. Your quarterback was barely touched. Would have come back probably the next play, but he had to go to the goddamn locker room and then be marked out. Like, Thompson, yeah. everyone loves Thompson, but – and he was fine. He wasn't horrible, but I feel like Bridgewater would, would have been a little bit better. Like, Bridgewater would have made those mistakes that Thompson made. The they eventually caught up with Thompson. He started yeah, out fine. He made a dumbass yeah. interception, and he had a dumbass – the fumble shouldn't have happened. Like, so yeah. to me, these are things that their, their defense couldn't get off the field in the second half. Like, that's not having your two best corners, you know – Yes, they should win. The players should make excuses. But as a fan, it was pretty evident what happened in that game. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, a lot of teams find themselves talking to themselves after these games, which uh, most of which seem to come down to the wire one way or the other. So I don't know how you can kill yourself, uh, you know, over a loss. Did we say uh, Indians? In I thought we said like... Guardians. Didn't we say Guardians? Did you say Indians? I said Guardians. I don't know if I said Indians. I don't yeah. know. Man, I? Is being, he's taking over for Sarney and he's correcting us. I, I said Guardians. I don't remember any either of us saying Indians. But maybe I don't remember using Indians. the word Indian at any time. I don't know. They've been the Guardians. I've seen that stupid ass. I think it's a ridiculous name. It's stupid. But that's what the name it, is. It doesn't really, uh, you know, associate. Was that the name of a newspaper there, the Cleveland Guardian? I don't know what it is. Well, what is the point of it? <laughs> I don't know what it means. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. What are they guarding? I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I mean, they couldn't have come up with any, something simple, naming after an animal. What? what, what, what? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But I call them that because that's what it's. They, I saw it. Eagles like, would make more sense, though. I mean, any an bird. Because of that stupid game. I'm like, what? I'm like, 
How is this game still on? <laughs> and it's 0-0. Zero, zero. It was 0-0 zero, yeah. zero the whole time. 15 innings of 0-0 zero, zero baseball. <laughs> like, what is that? At least it ended in dramatic fashion. Uh, that was great. All right. Uh, speaking of Mike Mayo, Mike Mayo uh, coming up 12 o'clock today. Don't launch yes, spots. Sir. He says uh, you should toss it. Uh, don't even question it. And yeah, but you said it was right, bad early, though. You're, you said it was bad early. That's my problem. So the minute I open the thing, from you, it, it so you throw it out right away. I mean, I guess is if that just cheapy, you can cheap go back. store brand cream cheese, though? That, that's the question. I don't know. I buy store brand because to me, Philadelphia and the store brand, when it looks the same, is the same. Pretty much thing. the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, Philadelphia. Something wrong not, with this uh, particular uh, batch. I don't know. No, would you take the half-eaten tub back to back. the store and say, "I got robbed here. Give me half my that's money back." That's the thing. Like, if it's three or four dollars and it's bad, do you go back? No, it's like six bucks. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> I don't know. No, it got very expensive. I don't know why. It was a cream cheese shortage. Remember? There was. I know. You were. You were very clear. Jews about everywhere were in a panic. <laughs> Delis were going out of business. They were just putting for sale signs in the front window. What do you mean you don't have any cream cheese? <laughs> it's how much? Oh my god. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm Mike Winnis, uh, the gambling gourmet. He had a nice weekend, I think. I don't know if he sustained it because he went out there to crush. Uh, our, our buddy Joey Esposito from Cafe Seville. It's a very fickle business, this horse racing. And they were all excited, uh, you know, because they had a horse that they had purchased, and they named it after Tony Saragusa in honor of uh, the goose. Yep. Saragusa. And uh, Saragusa got pounded. I, I, I was thinking that that was Mayo sending it in with his winnings that he took off the blue hairs at Dania. And, uh, like, a couple of minutes to post it, this horse is 5-2 uh, to and 7-2. to Went off uh, going off at uh, a little bit of a price. I don't know, five, six to one, something like that. But uh, dead last. I mean, uh, all of your hopes. Whoosh. I don't know that that destroys everything because, uh, see, it's always good. To, and horse racing is a sport that is largely uh, built foundationally on excuses. And uh, so uh, the, the rationale was that didn't like running in the, on a wet surface. Yeah, it rained. Yeah. Which could be true. I don't know. Do you come back and pound that horse the next time? Remember when I had those horses uh, through that uh, syndicate organization? I had a little yeah. piece. I traded it out for advertising. Yep. yep. <laughs> and I was so thrilled the first time uh, this horse was going to run. I, I couldn't believe it. And, uh, you know, I, I sent in money. I told all my friends about it. And then uh, eh, up the track in a cheapo maiden race at Laurel. So uh, we wish Joey all the best, though. He's a great luck, guy. Guys. And uh, but it's a, it's a tough business, this uh, horse racing business. Unless, Luby, your name is Todd Pletcher. <laughs> what? This guy is winning everything. Everything. It doesn't matter. You know, there's a race in New York, big stakes race, boom, Pletcher. He's not even there. Send some schmanky assistant out there to saddle a horse called Nest, who is uh, going to be a big factor. The Breeders' Cup in about a month. Maybe less than a month. And then uh, he's at Keeneland, boom, winning every race, man. Every race. It, it, it's incredible. Must be nice, man. With the purse money that's out there today, can you imagine, Louie? What, what is this guy making a year? Todd Pletcher, oh, man. It's got to be a fortune. Yeah, he's killing it. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and he's, he's not messing around with a bunch of uh, barn rats. I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, you know he, he's got some high-quality uh, stock there in the Pletcher barn. All right, so we're coming back with more in a moment. Now that. It's good to be Todd Pletcher. It's uh, 849. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. 
And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill in the Plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar, and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. You can't fake caring. Women can sense this immediately. You don't really care. You didn't really want to do any of this. We now return to the Default Show. All right, so what do you do with this uh, if you're a trend handicapper, Mike Luby Lubitz? Welcome back to the show, the Depot Show here, South Florida Live. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz, and happy to be with you. Appeal yourself off the Mount Monday. By the way, uh, if you're used to uh, seeing John Kajemi and hearing John Kajemi in this spot, which I saw John on TV yesterday, uh, he had a conflict, uh, and so uh, he's going to be with us tomorrow from 8 to 9. So we'll be able to get his thoughts. Uh, obviously, he was uh, deeply involved in uh, viewing and uh, analyzing that Dolphin game. And uh, follows college football very closely. His Pittsburgh uh, team uh, won, and uh, so uh, he should be happy about that. Uh, they've been having kind of a, a weird season, huh? Giving up a lot of points. I don't know if people are following them uh, all that closely. Did the Qs win? Or are they 6-0? and oh? They may have been or did off. They not I didn't, play, uh, I didn't over the weekend, see them, and I don't remember them having a bye. Might have been a bye week, uh, but they, were they weren't 5-0. Oh. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it was um, – Interesting. I mean, so close. They you don't off. know how involved I get emotionally when uh, when Alabama's on the ropes like that. <laughs> and I'm thinking, run the ball in there. I mean, wouldn't they have been? Everybody thinks they're going to pass. I, I don't know why. You're from the one yard line. You're lined up in a shotgun. Oh God. Or whatever that was, and and they had benefited greatly. I mean, I think there was a pass interference call. Was that the game where it was a pass interference call that put the ball like on the one when otherwise it looked like A&M was out of downs or something? I have no idea. I might I be watch, making that up. But, I uh, think the game you know. was the same time as FSU. I didn't watch one minute of it. I remember score tracking it just to see that A&M was in it, so that was cool. And then I thought I, I saw couldn't that believe it. one. Yeah. So I didn't – I don't know. I didn't uh, – I, I turned it on, and I, I got so excited that uh, Nick was going down. <laughs> it was the same thing uh, the week before. When uh, Missouri, uh, no, I was Georgia and Missouri. I was rooting for Georgia to go down in that game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the Texas game, it looked like Nick had been, uh, you know, he, he was at. They should have been done. He was at yesterday's news. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, they remain undefeated. I do have to uh, tip a hat to uh, 
uh, UConn, Jim Mora Jr., now three and four in a season. They, they look horrendous. But I was going to say, I mean, if you're going to follow a trend here, so I'm 7-0, 7-0-1 with a push in uh, eight games that I booked with my friend Francesco. And uh, he has uh, rendered an opinion on tonight's game. Okay. And I have Kansas City laying seven in their game against the Raiders. They're at home, the Kansas City Chiefs. I believe they're at home uh, laying seven against the Raiders. Oh, what do you think? The Raiders uh, have to be... And they're I mean, desperate. Can we they're super consider desperate. this uh, desperation yeah, mode? Yeah, yeah, they're desperate. No, they're is that a good place to be or a negative place to be, Mike Lugelovitz? <sighs> if you're playing desperate, are you playing uh, in a compromised fashion than you otherwise would be if you were just like like the Fonz walking in there, man? Just loosey-goosey, man. Like, like I, I know I'm going to win. You'd rather not be desperate, but the way the Chiefs have played, I would have automatically assumed they're going to cover that. The fact that the Raiders have to win, it, it may actually be a detriment to the Chiefs, I mean. Chiefs are always suspect. I I don't know what their record is overall against the spread. I I would imagine it still is favorable. But uh, they do get overbet, no? Because everybody assumes that Mahomes is going to be working magic, especially in the spotlight of uh, a Monday night football game, which uh, is that in the spotlight anymore. And uh, what's going on? We'll have to ask Jim Sarney. This is a question for him. And by the way, uh, it was Andy uh, referencing Jim Sarney that uh, talked about Cleveland being the Indians. Yes. Because I'm trying to figure out, well, where did that come from? Yeah, I didn't say that. So this was uh, strictly going on on our chat line here. Okay. Although I, I would believe them to be dead meat uh, against the New York Yankees. So you may as well unload uh, on the Cleveland Indians. You're probably, I mean, Cleveland Indians, exactly. Cleveland Guardians. See? Yeah, see, you put it in your head, there it is, man. It's like uh, <laughs> talking about the Chargers and being from San Diego. By the way, too, we never paid homage. Hector Lopez checked out last week. Oh, jeez. One of my all-time favorite references, uh, all number 11 there, Hector Lopez. Used to hit about 275 with the Yankees. I think he had a lifetime 270 average. Very useful, Luby. Utility man. The late, great Hector Lopez. But if you were a betting man and you were looking at tonight's game and you knew that uh, a guy that was 0-7 for the weekend of uh, NFL football, 0-7, and I believe he also lost the Thursday night game. So uh, that would make him 0-8 on the uh, on the NFL card. Uh, w- would he possibly go 0-9 and lose uh, where, uh, you know, he-, he took the Raiders tonight getting seven points? What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, if I- What's more likely to happen? That this guy, I mean, is absolutely on the schneid. Blutarski City, 0.0 in terms of winners. In 10 games, he's going to go 0-9-1 if the Chiefs cover seven points tonight. <laughs> Yeah, I'm laughing only because, I mean, uh, I wish this was $1,000 a game now, and I can see why bookmakers are ordering yachts at the boat show while you're in there maybe looking at a used wayfront. Okay? Because they are making money hand over fist. 100%. FanDuel and DraftKings, they have their hands in everything. I think I was watching a dart tournament, and it was brought to you by FanDuel. The Westminster Kennel Club. Has sold out. Uh, never mind Purina, man. They, they think that that food is bogus now. They're, they're sponsored by DraftKings. Who do you think is going to win in the Schnauzer division? I, I don't know. <laughs> what do I know about judging dogs? Taking bets on dogs. <laughs> I have two dogs. I'm, I'm happy they're healthy and okay. Uh, they the seem like show. very nice dogs overall. That's classic. Yeah. All right. Um, a lot of fun being with you uh, all morning long. So who do you like in a game tonight? The Chiefs. Vegas yeah. under the desperation mode. Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs. Does Mahomes shine on the Monday night spotlight? Yeah, what's the over-under? Julian may have it best. What, what is the over-under? 
I feel like they're going to score a lot in that game. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. Let's see. Uh, let me take a quick uh, scan. 52. Yeah, What's that? Yeah, 52. I'd go over 52. 52 is a big uh, big over-under total I in that know, game. So uh, if it turns out 30-26, you're, you're, you're well over yeah. on that. And that's, that's very possible, that's that kind of score. Good. So it'll be 0-0 zero, zero at halftime. Another clunk <laughs> on Monday Night Football. Where you're asking Joe Buck and Troy Aikman to be entertaining in addition to, uh, you know, sitting there counting their money. <laughs> as uh, ESPN again attempts to correct a, a wrong. I, I, it's very much like the hurricane football situation. It will never, never. be the same. The Monday Night Football booth, you're never going to have it. Yep. Well, you have the chemistry that, that was there when, when Dandy Dunn and Howard Cosell were part of the broadcast team. Whether they were working with Frank Gifford or uh, remember the original year, I believe, was called by Keith Jackson. Oh, wow. Whoa, Nelly. Nelly. Jeez. One guy is screaming, whoa, Nelly. And the other guy is singing, when the party's over, <laughs> turn off the lights. And Costello is saying, that was the most incredible thing I have ever seen. And they're all talking at once. It was great. <laughs> Nothing has ever come close to making, uh, you know, even uh, the slightest bit of parallel uh, to the, that, that great era that they had. Uh, and so now they're falling all over themselves to hire announcers and, once again, uh, completely nondescript. I, is it not true, Libby? It doesn't. I, I don't know that I've heard a guy yet that really caught my attention. Uh, you know, and you said, wow, I mean, that guy's great. Uh, you know, all very professional. Obviously, you know, we have uh, natural favoritism towards our good friend Ian Eagle yeah, and Charles Davis. They Davis. do a great job. Yeah. But is there anybody out there that's like the David Faraday of uh, color announcers in football? Oh, football? Romo, I guess, would be that guy. Olsen's okay. I, I do. I, I actually don't mind Greg Olson. I, I like that he seems to have some personality. Like there's emotion in what he says. He doesn't just say the same old uh, cliches. I don't know. I'm only tuning in tonight. I don't care about seeing Mahomes. I'm only tuning in to hear Joe Buck. <laughs> <laughs> Go, eh, there's a gain of three. That's up to second and seven. I'll be here. watching the Manning. Is what I'll be watching because the Manning. Are, they, are with- they on again tonight? I, th- I know they do 10 weeks. I saw- How self-defeating is that, though? I mean, if you're going to pay all this money to have a guy announce a game, well, that's two guys announce a game, well, why would you put something better on against it? ESPN is admitting we know <laughs> you want something else. Like, that's my problem with it is they're Why admitting- wouldn't they just have yeah. the Mannings do the game, period? I just, I don't, I, I guess there are certain people that like watching the game with announce. I don't know. I do don't- we really need that? Do we need to know that this guy's got to start running downhill? Do we need to know? I that? don't. Where you're sitting there on the couch, stuffing your face, saying, you know what this guy needs to do? He needs to start running downhill. Well, my problem is, yeah, <laughs> it's what happened. Oh, thank God he told me because I wouldn't have known. Yeah. <laughs> like you're starting. Whoa, you know what? He's right. The only thing I ever need their help with is the thing you always make fun of it. They, is when a call's fucking like that Teddy Bridgewater call. Yeah. I was watching yeah. it with Shirley, so I had to have the volume down. I really wanted it. And I, the problem is. When I listened to what they said, it was stupid. Yeah. I'm like, they're like, yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, you have to err and they're like, you know, he, I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, yeah. he was getting Say hit something. when he threw it. Like, by any med- any rule, that was clearly non-intentional grounding. And all they said was agreeing with the ref's stupid-ass call. So I'm like, okay, so there's no point to you guys then. Like, if you're yeah. not even going to explain that that was a bad call because of this, okay. Like, I know more than you. At this point right now. Like, you're wrong. You're just taking the money and do, being the NFL's fluff piece, which is a joke. Well, and it's funny, too. And, uh, you know, certain things have stuck with me that people have said to me uh, over the years. Uh, you know, very simple things that uh, you're trying to apply all the time. And uh, and it was actually uh, Joe Zagaki 
the voice of the University of Miami football, the basketball and, and baseball programs. I guess the voice of UM would suffice there. Because uh, he may even do volleyball and tennis. I, I don't know. He does it all. Uh, but I, I remember, you know, he said to me a long, long time ago, uh, you're paid to have an opinion. So have one. If you're doing this kind of stuff, I mean, if you're going to be doing sports analysis, have an opinion. Yeah. I'm not asking. And, and if you're the color analyst on a, on a major football telecast, I mean, have an opinion. Tell me what, what the hell. Right. Uh, you know, do you think this coach just made one of the moron moves of all time? <laughs> It's possible. And, you know, and that's always looming in the balance. It was uh, kind of the dynamic in that uh, Baltimore game uh, yesterday where, where uh, you know, the, the Ravens uh, had opted for a field goal after Harbaugh was subjected to so much criticism for going for the <laughs> touchdown, which cost him the victory the previous week. So that's now great. he opts to go for a field goal in that spot. Yep. And everybody's saying uh, Cincinnati came back, took the lead. Oh, and they're all like, oh, my God, can you believe it? He settled for that field goal. And then, boom, it turned out to be, you know, very much a part of the math. Of the ball game the because game. Uh, he ended up winning the game by only needing a field goal at the end, where he otherwise would have lost. Had he whiffed on the uh, you know attempt to get a touchdown, whoosh, that would have lost the ball. Game. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there, there was a coaching decision that was conservative that that worked out well. That Tucker, by the way, wow. Oh, I mean, how would you like to have him? <laughs> that was great. It's a 43-yarder. They take the timeout. Uh, I'm so used to my kicker sucking. Like, Sanders missed a 50-something-yarder. My Fitzgerald yeah. sucks. So I'm getting nervous. And then he kicks it, like, straight through. Oh, yeah. top of that thing. I'm like, it wasn't Which even Which style close. points. <laughs> style points, man. The ball is spinning perfect oh like God, a John Sunball three out of the corner. Like, perfect man, rotation. <laughs> I was like, how great is it to have a kicker? He and the guy's singing around. opera while the ball's in the air. Oh, soul of a lot. It was like a Steph Curry three where Steph shoots it from half court, yeah. turns around, runs back to the bench before it's even in the hoop. I'm like, he kicked it and he's already hugging them. I'm like, dude, it didn't even. Okay, never mind. <laughs> they, they don't even bother, man. I mean, like, the other team should just concede, like, exactly. conceding a putt in a $5 exactly. NASA. Just say, hey, Tucker, okay, inside of 60, we're gone. Like, this is a joke. See you later, man. Congratulations. <laughs> nice win there. No, he's great. And, and sings opera uh, like uh, he's Pavarotti. <laughs> if you ever saw the piece on 60 Minutes, oh, the guy funny. legitimately is a world, I, I don't know if he's world class, but struck me that way. I don't know. I'm no great judge. Good for him. We did sneak into the opera when we were in Rome, uh, the Mustang yeah. and I, and, uh, Found myself in cut-off shorts and a uh, greasy-looking <laughs> T-shirt row. <laughs> up there. And a guy is, like, you know, singing to me <laughs> about his troubles with the family. Oh, those guys have a lot of problems, man, those opera singers. Right? It's always something evil, uh, devilish going on. It's crazy. All right. And, and involving a woman, uh, of course, as well. Obviously. Well. All right, a lot of fun being with you today. We'll do it again tomorrow. John Kajemi will be with us tomorrow, yes, so uh, that'll be great. Brought to you by Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. All right, thanks to Hylia Park and all of our fine sponsors here on the program. I'm Jeff DeForest for Mike Luby Lubitz. Mike Mayo's Lunchbox comes away at 12 o'clock today. I'm not sure what Mayo's going to be up to. I, well, I think he's going to be in a good mood, though. And he has I an opinion he... on your cream cheese debate. He's, he's ready to unload. <laughs> it tastes a little bitter, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not feeling anything from eating it. I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, not... You know, getting nauseous or, you know, feeling, uh, you know, any kind of internal complications. But uh, why am I still eating? That, that, well, that's the question. <laughs> I'm throwing it out. I would throw it away. <laughs> I'm going to throw it at the camera when, when uh, you, you know, Mayo condemns it. All Mayo. right. So we'll see you at 12 o'clock. We'll have some fun. Mike Mayo's Lunchbox. And then uh, see you guys again tomorrow at uh, 7 in the a.m. as uh, we leave you now that. The time. It's 9.05. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.